1: Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Two podcast. Honestly, we have so much stuff to talk about this week. Six challengers that happened, five that are going to be in the in the upcoming week. Uh, we were also both in Bratislava where we met in real life for the first time. Although uh, perhaps you've yes. heard this story already, but we sort of met in 2019, even though we like we didn't know each other at the time. But we also uh, were both for uh, there for the Bratislava Challenger back then. Now we like met in real life let's say and yeah and we're gonna have a lot of uh, of course a lot of extra stuff a lot of interviews for you from from that venue uh some are done by jakub some some by me uh, one is even i think uh, you know sort of sort of together uh, and yeah let's just let's just get uh, get to it i think we yeah we we need to start in bratislava even though it's not the biggest challenger event we had this week
2: yeah, we started in Bratislava where I, I had a great time throughout the week with you. It was it was very fun. Uh and in the end, it was won by Marton Fuchovic in the first All-Hungarian final on the Challenger Tour ever, beating Fabian Marojan 6264, his fifth challenger title of his career, his first title at any level since 2018 when he won in Geneva. Uh on his run, he beat Pokorny 766 Love, 6 6275, 6 6461. Mahach in a great semi-final that was six three in the third uh, before beating Marozhan in that final up twelve spots number ninety seven back in the top one hundred. What did you think of Fucovich this week?
1: Yeah, uh, honestly, he's not one of my favorite players like to watch in general. But this is this is a perfect example of when someone like that drops to the challenger level, and I actually like you know very much focus on watching him. Well. Obviously, very much focused on watching him since I was there. <laughs> then you you don't really do much else. You actually, you know, you watch the matches perhaps even more closely than you would at home. And I'm just yeah, and I think you were too. I mean, we were both stunned with how good Fuchovic really was this week. <laughs> Uh especially after struggling in that opening set like spokorne, the, the way he was just so relaxed later on. He uh, yeah, let's let's start with the interviews. So, uh, we had like three or four interviews with Martin Fucevic, so it's just gonna be like uh, the best random beats out of all of them. Uh so prepare for some maybe, you know, um interchanging uh, audio quality, but anyway, here it is. Uh, yeah, we can do uh so did you notice you were almost like not missing any first serves
2: today? <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, I felt that I was serving very well in the first set. I think I didn't miss the first serve. Uh, the whole match, I was playing very relaxed. I played in a in a very good rhythm. Uh, I was much faster than the opponent. Uh, I played the the higher intensity, and that was the key of the match. You had a very very pretty rough first set against Pokorny in the opening
1: round, but since then you really, as you said, you are playing with so much so relaxed, so focused. Also, you had that. A one-handed backhand winner. Is that also a symptom that you're, you know, you're growing more
3: and more comfortable with every set? Well, uh, I, I didn't play a lot of matches lately mm-hmm. and in the first round I had to get used to the, the balls, the court. Uh, Pokorny was serving very well in the first set. I didn't have a chance to break him, so he played very good in the first set. Second set, uh, I increased the level. He broke down a little bit and uh, I, I could win the match. After that, I got some confidence. I was practicing a couple of days a bit half my second round it's a good win more confidence and now I played with full of confidence
1: and they're also signed up for two more challengers after this it's
3: like the big goal to return to the top 100 and not have to play Austrian Open qualifying exactly that's the, that's the reason why I'm playing these these challenger tournaments hopefully I can
2: finish in the top 100 end of the year mm-hmm. uh, your level seemed very very high today do you think it's possibly some of the best things you've played this season
3: uh, yeah possible. Um, As you can see I can play on this level, Uh, that's why I was top top 50 for five years. Uh, I had a very bad year. now I want to come back, I want to practice hard I want to play like this, I can play like this if, if I want to and if I work hard uh, so that's the goal.
2: Mm-hmm. Obviously in you have either Klein or Machac, how do you feel about that matchup to the semis? Uh, it's
3: it's a semi-final it's always good to reach the semi-finals anything can happen the best four player uh, on the week can can make it uh, if I'm playing like this if I'm serving like this uh, I have a lot of chance to win, but I know the guys, they are younger guys. They will fight until the end. Um, but I'm looking forward to play a good match. Great, thank you. Thank you.
2: All right, congratulations. How does it feel to lift a trophy after such long time? I believe Geneva 2018 was your last one.
3: Exactly, uh, that was four years ago. Uh, it was a really good feeling to, to, to finish the week as the winner uh I played really good this week uh, I was this was my goal to to finish in top 100 end of the year and with this with this result I think I, I secured my
2: place so I'm, I'm very happy mm-hmm. yeah so, so you have so you're back in the top 100 now uh, 97 do you still plan to play Helsinki and Andrea uh, I will I will think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a little bit about uh, Marojan. He's, he's part of a strong Hungarian generation coming through at the moment. How do you feel about the place where Hungarian tennis is at the moment?
3: Uh, I think we have a couple of good players, uh, Piros, Valkus, Marojan. For the moment I'm first, Marojan second, Pirosch third, Valkus fourth. Uh, I think Fabi has a very good future, Fabian. Uh, if he continues li- like this, uh, he will be top 100 soon. He is, I know that he is a very uh, hard worker, very humble guy. Uh, he, a, he, he, he can be a good example for the, for the younger guys as well.
2: Mm-hmm. And it was the first All-Hungarian Challenger Final ever in history. How much does that mean to you and your country?
3: Uh, course it means a lot uh, it was it was a very strange, strange situation for myself as well because uh, I don't know when was the last time I played against a Hungarian player on the tour maybe in 2015 or 16 against Balazs on a Challenger a long time ago so for me it's, it's a very very strange situation and it, it was tough to handle it but I was focusing on myself great thank you very much
1: And yeah uh he he talks about it uh you know about the fact that he was so you know growing with uh, even getting even more more in confidence as he as he went through the week the way he was more relaxed and you could totally see it he was so just free-flowing aggressive i i think i talked about it on twitter today already but i think with a game like his that's not really based around a big weapon it sometimes can be hard to show how exceptional you are when you decline, like even ever so slightly, uh, it, it can just be hard to impose yourself so much on lower-ranked players, but um, Fujovic just did that. I mean, the the performances he had against Hanfman, against Marterer, especially perhaps uh, these 23 first serves in a row in the in the opening set against Marte, uh, it was really something else. And from yeah, from a guy whose style is, again, like not, it's Even pretty hard to describe, Uh, to to show him just have to to have him just have that very very clear edge. It was very eye opening, reassuring about his potential for me, and like you know, just just what an insane tennis player this guy is.
2: Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying in the first set against Pokorny that it was funny how uh, he looked so ordinary against Pokorny and how he looked above Pokorny's level at all. And then he just absolutely blew everyone else out of the water. It was insane. Uh, The way that he dog walked Marte in that quarterfinal was wild to me. He dominated him throughout, as you said, 23 straight first serves in that first set. Uh, looked just so much better in every single rally so much faster so much more explosive uh, and that carried on throughout the week The Mahaj, of course that second set a uh, bit of a blip Mahaj fighting back very well it was one of the best uh, matches of the week for sure um, ultimately in the final there wasn't much competition in it Marojan I think was very nervous to start it uh, and then Fuchovi just sort of never really let up never really let Marojan take control at any point Uh, Yeah, uh, up 12 spots back in the top 100, which he said throughout the week, every single interview, that was his goal. Uh, I asked him after the final if he was going to play Helsinki and Andrea. He said that he will see. Uh, I wouldn't count on him uh, (laughs) uh, showing up to play those events. But yeah, we'll see what the situation is with him for next week. Um, But yeah, I I feel like... Great player, he really showed his level. Great champion as well. Uh, he took every single possible photo after, <laughs> after, the, after the final. It took us like forty minutes uh, to even get him for for the interview because um, they do like this big picture, this big big picture with the ball kids. And then I feel like each individual ball kid went up to him, and then each every other child that was in the stadium came up to him for a picture. Uh, so yeah, very exciting week for him for sure. Uh, and as for Marajan, it was his second challenger title. He showed some great level on the indoor heart, which I don't think either of us were expecting. Uh, some very nice wins along the way as well, beating Struf in the first round before getting a second set retirement from Rodionov in the second. Uh, took out Gombosz in the quarterfinals, uh, beat Ilkel in the semis as well. He moves up 20 spots, number 172, his new career high ranking. What did you think of Marajan this week?
1: Yeah, I mean, despite a couple of decent indoor runs in the past, especially, of course, 2021 when he won a 25k or 15k, I can't remember, and then went to Bergamo semis. uh, Yeah, he still plays a super clay heavy schedule and i guess we can uh we can turn on in the interview this is also going to be you know some parts from from me some parts from jakub so also prepare for some weird cuts in there most of your career is you played on clay
0: how
4: comfortable are you on these courts they seemed the rapid today yeah. when you playing to... uh yeah maybe i prefer uh clay course
0: better than the, than the hard
4: courts. Uh, this was a little bit slower than the, than the other course uh but but this one, chord three, is a little bit uh, faster than the center chord. So it was a little bit different than than on the practice. So we have to we have to know how to I have to play on this surface. And lastly, I wanted
1: to ask, because there are two Hungarians that are of similar ranking to you, of course, of similar age, I'm talking of Piroz and Valkus, of course. And does it really help you to have these guys on tour with you, sort of share
4: the same experiences? Uh, I think we, we help each other, we are practicing together. Uh, you know. Really good, each other. We are almost the same age, as you told, uh, and I think it's a big help because you can you can help each other on the on the, the tournaments as well. So yeah, it's it's a lot I think.
2: Thank you. Yeah have we'll kill in the next round. Um, he beat Van Rijtoven today. You faced him in in Bergamo uh, last season. How do you feel about going? Uh, going uh, how do you feel about that matchup going into tomorrow? Uh, Honestly, I don't know, because I'm not
4: thinking at the moment yeah. about tomorrow. I know I played against him last year uh, in Bergamo. I lost against him in the semi-final it was like I don't know, like 4-6 in the third set. So I'm just looking forward to I just try to play the best game tomorrow and, and I hope I can I can beat him.
2: Mm-hmm. On the other end of the draw, you have a fellow Hungarian in Martin Fuchovic, who also reached the semi-finals. Uh, I saw that you maybe caught a couple of games at the end of his match against Marta. Uh What are your thoughts on, on What are your thoughts on his uh, results here?
4: I mean he's I think he's uh, ATP player not a challenger yeah he's ranking now 100 and something he's he's going full to to reach the the Australian Open main draw Um, in this tournament he's playing so good I think Uh, he has a big chance to to win this tournament that's why he he came here Um, I think I mean I would be very happy if if we can play the the final together (laughs) so that's the plan now, I think. So yeah, uh, he's a good player,
1: and we are trying to to play a Hungarian final. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. Uh, yeah, and uh, even despite the fact that he had a couple of decent indoor runs in the past, he de- we definitely didn't look at him as a potential winner, especially with that sort of draw, you know, the, the strength of the field. Struv, of Kombos, Ilkal, by the way, who beat him in Berk- well, in 2021 in his previous indoor hard semi-final. Uh, but yeah, he, he showed, uh, you know, he played beh- so well behind his serve. He, he definitely showed a very high level of, like, you know, be, being comfortable on the surface. He's usually, sh- you know, he shouldn't be really that used to. I guess recently we also saw it in Alicante where he made the semis and lost to Klein. Um, yeah, the, the, this has really been something, um, you know, the, the, this year the the title in Banja he had, it feels like it has really opened him up for more success. Like he, he he hasn't just... You know, won a title sort of out of nowhere because if you remember, that was the week where the main draw, uh, like the, the main draw in Banyolo started. It, it was a Challenger 80, but it started at about 240 in the rankings, so it wasn't really uh, a strong week as to uh, in Challengers as a whole. This was the U.S. Open qualifying week, but he got that title and then he didn't. I don't know, go back into his shell and um, you know go back to to play to not getting not being very close to getting these. Ser- of results but it makes a lot of sense i mean i I think we've known for a while that he's got the game to be contending for challengers more regularly now it's just finally happening and then yeah we we, during the week we even talked about the possibilities of fabian marosan fighting for the for a top
2: 100 debut next year Uh, i
1: think it's not out of the question that's for sure
2: yeah i mean fučovic doesn't think it's out of the question either as as he said Mm -hmm. after the final uh, he he's tipping Marozhan as, as a potential top 100 player next season, um, and yeah, th- this week he he showed us why I think on on the challenger level we we've uh, sort of obviously we had Bergamo semis last year, but uh, these wins I think were a little bit next level with with Gombos and O'Kell and Struf, even though it was on that outside of the court which was a bit more sort of even evened it out <laughs> between the players. Um, but yeah, it makes me very optimistic about him going into next season. Uh, as you can, you know, he can earn points year round with if he plays like this on indoor hard. And we can go over to our semi finalists. Started with Chem İlkel, uh, who had a tough run already from this from the qualifying, uh, beating Istomin and Sachko. Uh, Then he took out Zizou Bergs uh, in a funky match in the first round, uh, winning it six one in the third. Then probably in my favorite match of the week, he beat Marchenko six uh, three in the third. That was uh, that was a wild match. Uh, beat Tim van Rijtoven who who didn't have the best week. Uh, second semi-final in three weeks. What did you think of Ilkel?
1: Yeah, we've talked a lot about him during the week because, well, as you said uh, a, w- a second ago, uh, court number three was generally so much faster than center. Um, one player, uh, I think, Varosan, right? Didn't uh, No, no, no, it wasn't Marosan. Who was it that didn't agree? It was Ilkel, Ilkel,
2: oh, it was was Ilkel right. Il- Ilkel the, said the that's... Yeah, yeah, faster than the outside court, like a lot faster, which is not what you would have thought visually, which is not what anyone else said throughout the week. It yeah. was a very weird situation.
1: <laughs> and it kind of showed in his game because honestly, he was playing Parchenko and Bergs. Uh, everyone on this, on, on court number three, the matches lasted like, I don't know, three sets, uh, an hour and a half. He went so long and he was actually playing like a very, you know, just absorbing pace well, finding an opening eventually, even, even though he obviously has that huge form hand, pretty decent serve as well. But he was playing a pretty a pretty defensive game there and was working out somehow, even though when you watched Maroshan Struve, which is a match that we mentioned a second ago, uh, it was just all serve plus one play, really. <laughs> and uh, It lasted just, you know. Of, of course, Struve has a, has a huge serve, but still, Marchenko, bergs very aggressive guys, and Ilker was just able to uh, somehow slowly work his way through them. He did the same to van Reithoven on the centre, pretty much. I, I think at that point we sort of expected that there might be the, an upset there because Ilka's level was just that good. Of course, a couple of uh, weeks ago we talked about him in, when he was in Vilnius. Um, you know about the fact that he missed a lot of the uh, missed a lot of months this year because there was a sort of you know, a tragedy in his family. His sister died in a car accident, uh, and yeah, and of course the the ranking that he has right now, so 400, <laughs> seven is, of course, just a big, fat lie. I mean, (laughs) it's uh, it's obvious why he hasn't hasn't played for, I don't know even how many months this year. But, you know, it's...
2: He he, he, he sort of played very sparingly. Yeah. He, like, showed up
1: at Wimbledon, right? But between, uh, let's say, between uh, Tel Aviv, which was at the end of September, and Bangalore, so at the beginning of February, he only played uh, four non Davis Cup matches and lost all of them. So basically, he didn't earn points between February and September. And yet, right now, he's able to do that in Vilnius. He's able to do that in Bratislava. You know, he's of course uh, a challenger level player. He just wasn't able to to be on the court for for most of this season. Uh, yeah. So here's the here's the interview with Tamila, uh, which uh, which Jakub did after his quarterfinal win. I think right after against Van Rijthoven. <laughs>
5: Congratulations
6: for the win. How did you feel at the end? Well, after the top court, this one was so much faster, so I was trying to adapt to it. Um, Tim was serving unbelievable. I know he can play good on these surfaces, so I was trying. I was just trying to stay with him and get my chance on his serve, and I was lucky at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you feel like this is your best win of the season so far? I mean, I've had some good wins, but
2: yeah, it's up there with the other ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You obviously had the uh, final in Vilnius a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Uh, are you feeling like you're in very good form right now?
6: Yeah, I'm not playing bad. I think I've been playing qualities, qualifying. That's why I've played a lot of matches, and a lot of matches gives you confidence. So, I mean, when you play a lot of matches, you know what to do at 4-0, all, 0 5-0. It's like everything gets automatic. So, yeah, I feel good out there. I'm looking forward to
2: tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You had a very tough match against Marchenko yesterday. It was a bit of a wild one. You had a bit of an argument. Yeah. Do you feel like, uh, how does that edge sort of affect you in, in the match? Well,
6: I get pumped. <laughs> when there's an argument, when there's the heat. I mean, we're all boys, so we like it, you know, we, we like getting in each other's faces.
2: Mm-hmm. I noticed know, I know something interesting on your service motion. You seem to hit your leg quite often when yes. you serve. Have you always done that? And does that not distract you at all when you're serving? Uh, well, it started two years ago. Uh,
6: I know when I hit my leg, I need to take my racket up, so ah, that's, that's my technique right now, and it hurts, but I'm <laughs> winning, so I cannot change it right now.
2: Uh-huh. Next match, you could potentially face Norbert Gombos. Uh, You beat him in Izmir in 2016. Do you remember that match? And how do you feel about going into the match potentially if he wins today?
6: Yeah, we played in Turkey. It was my hometown. And it was my first Challenger final after I beat him. Now it's his hometown, so we'll see what happens first. He has to win today. He's going to have a good match and then we'll see what happens tomorrow. Mm
2: -hmm. And finally, I wanted to ask you about there's there's changes coming to the Challenger Tour next season. It should be more money, more bigger events. How do you feel about it going into next Year. well
6: look when you look at these guys these guys were all top 100 and now they when they get back to the challenger level they can you can see that everyone is competing hard against them because this level is very high challenger level is very high especially lately so obviously i think these players um they deserve more money i think and atp is trying hard to get get us the money we need and i think they're doing a great job so yeah we appreciate it great thank you very much Best of-
2: uh,
1: yeah and um...
2: yeah, and I mean in, in the rankings he moves up to 340 now so obviously this week was very very big for him I think it's 38 points that he earns uh, including the qualifying uh, so definitely helps him out a lot and I'm excited to see what he brings next season because with this level he's a very exciting player. Uh, the serve was particularly impressive in the second half of the Marchenko match and throughout the performance against Van Rietoven. Uh So yeah, very excited about Yokel. But let's move on to Tomáš Macháč, who was our other semifinalist. Uh, he beat Penniston, Travaliá, and Klein to reach his fifth challenger semifinal of the season. He was fighting for a top 100 debut if he had won the tournament, but it wasn't meant to be for him. Um he produced I think two of two two of the best matches that we that we saw this week. Uh, his match against Klein, his match against Fuchovic. What did you think of Machaj this week?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Uh of course he had another chance to get to the top one hundred if he won the title, but this time we can't really say it he we can't really say that he it tightened him up in any way. Uh, it definitely uh, it definitely didn't feel that way. It wasn't the Mahaj that we saw in matches against Briant, against Reberg, against Duras. By the way, did I yeah this was definitely not the not another case of Mahach choking because he had a top 100 debut in his sights that wasn't it at all. Uh he was basically like he he played on the uh, the court, court number 3 I think against Travaglia he played on center against Penniston on center against Klein he was great in both conditions and his serve was firing which against Travaglia at first I thought you know it was because of the court but Later on, it it it clearly showed that uh, that wasn't you know, an accident in any way. Uh, against Klein, there was like basically no difference in their serving, which is huge in a matchup like this for him. Because you'd feel like that—that's one of the—that's one of Klein's advantages potentially. You know, going going into the match. So, um, yeah, he he beat Klein again after after also taking him out in 2020 in Bratislava, and you can see why. Yeah, it came up short against Fuchovic, but definitely a huge week for uh, for the Czech. And even if he hasn't landed that top 100 spot yet, uh, there's you know after this there's some. Uh, there's definitely some hopes that we, he can still do it this year because, yeah, that that that just wasn't the the Mahaj that lost three consecutive matches against players outside the top 350 or something. He was actually back to you know what what he accustomed us to most of the year.
2: Mm-hmm. And we can talk about a couple of the core finalists, starting with Lukas Klein. We just spoke about him a bit uh, on his run this week. He beat Majedovic 6-3, 6-2, served very well throughout that match, uh, as he often tends to do. Uh, then he also beat Kobalik in their first uh, meeting. Also in straight sets, uh, he came very close uh, against Makhac, but ultimately it, it, it wasn't his match the calls were a bit funky but i think it it eventually evened out over the course of the match um yeah what did you think of klein this week yeah maybe
1: maybe we'll this time not to forget it we'll start with the interview uh so you've often done well in this tournament in the past uh, even when you weren't really playing like challengers full-time yet how much do you enjoy coming back here? Yeah, I really enjoyed it because
7: yeah, it's, the, it's the home side. I mean, I practice here and and I, I know all the things, uh, surfaces, uh, facility, everything. So yeah, I enjoyed it all. Uh, of course, uh, there are uh, Slovak fans, so it was really nice to play in front of people and uh, now they they cheer for
1: you and yeah, that's what I enjoy. At the end of last year you had this injury that forced you off the court for a long time so taking that into consideration how do you feel about this season as a whole for you because it's been the best of your career?
7: Uh, Yeah, I'm very, very, very surprised. (laughs) So yeah, after starting the after the yeah the time off, after the injury, yeah, yeah, obviously I started a little bit slow. I'm not the guy that, that don't play for six months and then win a tournament straight away. So, yeah, yeah, one tournament changed it all. I mean, in, in Germany, I, I was playing really, really bad. But somehow I found a fun there since the first or second match. And then, then was like it was like turning point in the season, I guess. so, Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you started your season late. You started earning big points in like yeah. May. So, do you have any like early goals for 2023? Considering that you know you're not going to be defending many points.
7: Yeah, I'm not looking really into that. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to to play my game, to practice well, and we'll see what happens. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Definitely a fun character because uh, you, you weren't able to hear it because well I I figured it out from either Jakub or the Slovak TV that was there speaking to him but he after the the, the win against Kovalik he didn't even want to know who was his quarterfinal opponent and like made it seem like he didn't care which maybe he actually didn't I don't know I I kind of believe him why not of course you can we also have to share that uh, beautiful piece of gossip with you that klein is probably dating anna karolina Schmidloha. um yeah now now your uh, your whole life is probably uh, completely different right now anyhow speaking of tennis actually let's get to tennis yeah bratislava was always the event that uh, Klein sort of you know showed uh, showed himself on the big stage like even when he wasn't playing challengers in like full time regularly yet he was still he still had big runs here like in 2019 2020 uh, and it's it's clear why. Of course, the the home crowd helps, but the, the court is also very nice for him. Um, talking speaking more of center, well, where where there's still a lot of time on the ball, but the serve hurts, as you said. Um, definitely a high quality match against uh, Mahach, and well. Just he just couldn't take it, but of course we we've been, uh, you know we've just talked about Maroshan potentially getting to the top hundred ne- next year. I think Klein we're definitely like neck neck close to banking on like
2: we yeah with
1: the with the amount of points he's defending until May or until like April.
2: Yeah, it's points till the last week of May. So yeah, it, it's it's a huge opportunity for him.
1: It's a perfect chance, and it totally makes sense with, with the sort of game that he has right now because, yeah, he came back from that injury stronger than ever.
2: For sure, yeah. Uh, and we also want to talk about Norbert Gombosch, uh, who got a couple of uh, straight set wins over Henry Squire and Jeffrey Blancano before losing to Marojan. What did you think of Gombosch? Yeah, and I guess we'll also
1: start with the interview. Uh, so your hometown is not far from here. Yes. You've won this event in the past. Do you think, it, is it like your, one of your favorite spot slots in the calendar?
8: Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, we are practicing here uh, during the year and, uh, um, I really like to play to, uh, like, uh, before my home, home crowd, family and, then uh, the friends. So, um, for me it's like a kind of special tournament. And, um, basically it's not the ATP tour <laughs> the tournament, but still, I mean, it's a big challenger. Um, a couple of years ago won one of the best uh, challengers of the year so the tournament is amazing and, and I'm very really happy to, uh, to compete here
1: Ilya Marchenko said that this court is pretty uneven and that knowing it well really helped him against other opponents do you feel like
8: familiarity with the venue really helps you as well? yeah sure It's I'm kind kind of specific this, this this kind of surface because it's not really that uh, surface that uh, like used to play on, on other tournaments and on a tour um, yeah I mean we are a little bit in advantage of, of, of other players because as I said like it's specific and uh, we are practicing here with Ilya as well so uh, it helps a lot for us to, to, to be in an advantage and, and, and playing better You're still signed up for a
1: couple more challengers I think if I, if I understood correctly you even said that you might play free mm-hmm. uh, are you determined to chase that top 100 finish and then Australia open main drop spot is that mm-hmm. the reason?
8: Yeah, yeah of course it's my, my main goal to to to uh, getting back in the top 100 because it's, it's different to play major in Australia or qualifying because qualifying even this is really hard uh, these days and um, yeah it's my main goal to, to reach it I will see I have something like a little bit um, uh, like um, small injury but but it's not, nothing serious so I can play with it um, I will I will decide later how, how I play here and, and the next tournament in Helsinki and and uh, I will decide if I play Andrea or, or not, um, we'll see. And you said qualifying is very hard these days
1: for slams, but this year you went undefeated, you went 9-0. <laughs> is it like the brightest spot in, of
8: your season? Is it the best achievement you've had this yeah, year? Yeah, of course. I mean, as I said, the qualifying is really hard, really, really tough one and I, I qualified on all, all of the grandstands What I played. I didn't play uh, Wimby because there w- wasn't points and that was the reason why I didn't play and um, yeah it was like the, like kind of nice nice uh um, spot of my uh, season um, by far but um, it's a little bit pity that I didn't um, reach like like uh, better like better on, on on the main draw but still uh, if I, I qualified then it's a really good opportunity to to to play with the, with the best players thank you yeah thank you yes
1: uh, Norbert Gombos, uh apparently he has some Sort of a shoulder injury, which he's playing through, and yeah, it, this year is probably the the first time that I'm really like paying a lot of attention to how many players are actually like playing and very focus focusing very much on you know getting to the Australian Open, getting to the top one hundred before the end of the year, and it's it's really all because of the Australian Open as well. And, and yeah, and it makes uh, makes guys like Gombosch sign up for free challengers in November, and yeah, he, he's gonna try to do it. <laughs> it was funny because he said that Grand Sam qualifying is so hard these days, but you know, he he went unbeaten in it in, in 2021. But of course, everyone wants to be in the main draw already, and not have to not have to play through the qualies, even if he uh, does well in them. And yeah, when it comes to the tennis, I think it was a very standard Norbert Gombosch week. I don't think he was really ever like playing something incredible, but um, yeah, certainly was uh, quite fun to watch live, which I don't think I had the chance to do before. Uh, I'd have to check, but I don't think I saw him live before. Also, uh, you know, I, from, from just watching his tennis, I thought that maybe he was like, I don't know, had a bit of a harsh personality that he's going to be, he's not going to be very pleasant to talk to, but. Actually, it turned out that uh, it's completely the other way around. Uh, Jakub even told me that he's like the most universally liked Slovak player, and yeah, I mean, you can he, you he, can see he's why. Like
2: the nicest guy in in Slovak tennis, I think, yeah. out of out of all the players that we've had over the past, I don't know, decade or what.
1: Yeah, uh, and, it, and it totally showed when when I talked to him, and and I think you could probably even hear it on the
2: recording. All right, someone else we wanted to talk about was who else did we want to talk about? Hanfman. Yes, Yannick Hanfmann. Uh he beat Jakob Menschik in the first round, 6-3-6-4 lost to Fuchovic in the second round, uh, tried to give his racket to a ball girl at one point, she like took a swing with it, he took it back, he changed, changed his mind, uh, but yeah, we, we have a pretty nice interview with him, which I thought was worth including. First of all, congrats on the win. Um, what did you expect from Menshi going into the match? Obviously, he's a young player, I'm not sure if you've seen him before, uh, what, what did you sort of think of him going into the match and then once you played him? Um, I didn't
5: think too much about him. I mean, I know he had good results in the juniors, <laughs> and I feel like if you if you get to this level, a lot of players can play good, and especially the juniors. I mean, we have Rune, who is 19 and winning Paris Masters. So I think you have to respect every opponent, and I did that with him today. And I think, yeah, it was it was three and four, not an easy match for me. I'm happy mm-hmm. to get the win, and yeah, young player, um, he's good, but uh, I think I showed a little bit maybe more experience. Yeah, he had that very tough game, three match points, obviously he wins the game, what's the mindset then going into the next game trying to serve it out? I mean, yeah, it's not easy because I thought uh, he, I played good in that game and he served unbelievable. So, uh, hats off to him. He, yeah, he made it tough for me. And then I think uh, the key for me was to serve well, and I just tried to take time before my serve, and uh, and, and and that worked well. I think I only had one second serve in the in the last game, so that's uh, always good. Indoor indoor hardcore tennis there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually
2: had a hard time on indoors last season. Um, so, what made you decide to come to the European indoor season as opposed to continuing? in South America when you won the, well, made the video final.
5: Um, actually, it was a little bit also the decision that uh, I was maybe nominated for Davis Cup. In the end, I got mm-hmm. nominated for Davis Cup. And uh, I think if the team coach wouldn't have told me that I might be in consideration, yeah. <laughs> then I would have played on clay uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. But I mean, yeah, I played two good weeks now in Italy and, and here another second round at least. So I'm, I'm starting to pick up a little bit on my hard
2: game. Yeah, as you say, you've been doing very good. Pete, Pirosh, Shevchenko, Sepi. Yeah you know what to say what what was the Seppi match like it being his final match there yeah, very special
5: uh, I actually played against him in Bergamo which is also um, close to his home like a few a long time ago maybe 2016 or 17 17 I think yeah uh, 17 yeah and um, so to play him in his kind of hometown or home area in Ortizé um, was very special um, I wish for him he would have gotten the biggest stage in Florence maybe but yeah it was a big crowd uh, lots of emotions it was I think a roller coaster of a match um, we were both feeling it at it, certain times, but yeah, I have great respect for his career and I loved him, uh, I loved to watch him actually, so to, to play him twice
2: was a very special also funny. Great. Last question, I want to ask you about the Challenger Tour changes that the ATP is coming up with for for next season. Different sort of uh, levels that they have, the 50, 75, 100, 125, 150. Yeah. Uh, more money, more tournaments. What do you sort of think about it going into next season?
5: Um, yeah, I believe when I see it, kind of, um, I, I'm not sure. Like, the more money is always nice on paper, but I want to see what actually the tournaments will be spread out in. And I hope that we get a lot of playing opportunities, of course, Um, yeah so I cannot really say much everything on paper looks really good it it, it sounds nice and I hope it's gonna also be nice
2: yeah of course because you have like Australian tournaments now where nobody can afford to go at all it's just an Australian championship great thank you very much Uh, but yeah what did you think of Hanfman this week
1: yeah uh, I didn't see the Manchik match so I only watched him against which which I, I honestly think he couldn't really do much more in that my in in that performance I mean just just given how well the Hank Iron was playing I think at some points Futchevich was even too relaxed like the frontal tweener that he attempted like he, he got casual and that's why the the second set sort of uh, started going maybe you know we thought maybe there was going to be a decider um but yeah still uh Hansman uh I just don't think he could have done much more against this version of Fujovic, although in the in the opening set he was clearly a bit out of sorts as well. I think that set and a half, the, the, the first set and a half of the second was along with the whole martyr match, probably the the strongest tennis that Fujovic played throughout the week. And that that really says something because he was incredible. So yeah, I think in a way Halfman was simply unlucky. You know, probably in the in another part of the draw he, he could have gone further. And we also should mention Viktor Durasovich, who, I mean, I, I don't know who, how it even works with him, but whenever I get to watch him, especially live, he's just, you know, he, he stands out from the crowd, really. Just in terms of pure ball striking ability against Van Raitoven, I would say that for most of the match, he was the better player. And yet again... Uh, you know probably the story of his career he he's just sort of not able to uh, give his 100% in the most important moments and that's that's what happened against the dutchman um in th- there's like a, f- a bit of a fun fact about me is that viktor Durasovic was the first player i ever interviewed but not in like not, not in person uh through through text and i remember it was it was related to atp cup 2020 and i remember him saying that like he's not afraid of the of the guys he's going to play because he, you know he's practiced with top 100 players before and he knows that his level is like super close to them that he just cannot really bring it uh, you know week in week out on every to every single match in every single game and i i remember not really knowing much about durasovic's game i mean i i would i i'm not going to say that i didn't believe him but Like that statement didn't mean much to me, but now we're here two and a half years later. I think uh, he hasn't really made that that much progress in terms of rankings since. I think he might even be ranked lower than when I talked to him back then. Uh, But yeah, now I've watched uh, two and a half years of uh, more of challenger tennis. I've watched, I don't know, Viktor Llasovic probably like 20 more times. And I totally agree with him. <laughs> I think he, he certainly should be fighting for challenger's title more. And he's he showed that he's shown that again this week.
2: Yeah, and I feel like we, we can include the interview uh here that I did uh, with him after yeah. his win against Bera. Um, <laughs> uh, you've had a, a, a, some success on the, on the doubles this year, only with Finzo, with Vietnam mm-hmm. and Nico Saminen. Yes. Is there something special between you guys, the, the Nordic connection? Uh, I mean,
9: we all get along pretty well, I'd say so, uh, especially me and Patrick. We. We know uh, we know each other from the junior days, and uh, Otto I've gotten to know I think this year uh, better, uh, and so now we are also quite good friends mm-hmm. I'd say. And uh, you know I just uh, I just enjoy playing with them really so, and I think they do also with me, so you know that's probably a big part of why we've had such success.:
2: mm-hmm. On the singles and you, you recently reached the semifinals in Vilnius, how would you sort of uh, assess your season overall? Uh, I mean, overall in singles, it's
9: been it's been rocky. Like some sometimes I've had some good wins and uh, you know uh, gotten a few extra rounds on the challenger level, but uh, you know it's uh, it's been like that uh, <laughs> for many seasons uh, throughout my career. So uh, it's been nice to have a little success in doubles also, uh, especially when I was uh, struggling a little bit and uh, still thinking about what to do with the career. But uh, now that uh, things are at least you know you can always try doubles as well and uh for the moment also i'm playing i'd say pretty decent in singles too so i'm uh, i'm just trying to give myself as many chances as i can
2: mm-hmm. you've gone very challenger heavy this season on the scheduling i think you only had one itf mm-hmm. uh, are you happy with that decision looking back on it yeah
9: i think so um you know, a lot of players, they go down a level because they want to, you know, try to perhaps win some points and, uh, you know, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's equally difficult because uh, the conditions are different. It's not as nice to play ITF as it is to play challengers and uh, there's, uh, you know, all sorts of players that are super hungry and you have to really fight your way through to get those points if you want them as well. But, uh, but you know, I, I think that a lot of the times on the challenger tour I've been playing a good level but you know just a few details have been mm-hmm. not there and you know that's why maybe you lose some close matches sometimes and so then also I started to do well in doubles and then I just figured it's also a little bit financially better to stay challengers because you get the hotel paid and the prize money is a little better.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of changes coming to the challenger tour next season should be more money should be more bigger events how do you feel about that going into next season? Uh, I I I think that's
9: probably going to be nice for a lot of guys. Uh, hopefully, it will be nice for me too, with a ranking of a little slightly lower on than the, than what the cut is usually at the challenger level. So, but we'll see. It's going to be exciting.
2: Uh, but yeah, he, he, it's it's very interesting to hear that, that that he was so optimistic because I almost got this uh, feeling from him that he was a little bit I don't know like. Not not fed up, but yeah, jaded perhaps because uh, you know at one point he sort of said like um, I'm just trying to like get, like give myself as many chances as I can to try and break through. Uh, when when I when I asked him about playing ATP Cup, he sort of said, "Oh, it's it's good to face these guys because they expose you and it gives you a chance to improve." And then he said, "And hopefully, I will actually improve." Uh, which yeah, it, it was it was a little bit of a sidebar, which which which that was I wasn't sure if I, if we wanted to include it or not. Um, but yeah, he looked great this week. Uh, throughout pretty, pretty a match, he he looked much better. Uh, Van Rietoven, he, he as you said, he he was he was the better player throughout that match. Um, it's just yeah, he already lost in Helsinki in the first round of qualifying, and it makes me really sort of feel for him. Uh, and I hope that he he does get his breakthroughs and he, that he he does get his chance to to really fight regularly in the in the main draws of challengers. We can make up. Uh, I also wanted to mention India Marchenko, uh, who had a great week here. Um, we did, did we did do an interview, but it was all in Slovak, so I'm not going to include it here. But I think I might turn it into an article, so I'll probably tweet it out or something when I when I do <laughs> when, when I do that. Uh, but yeah, he he went he went through qualifying, beating 6-2, 6-2, 6-2, 6-3. then took out 7 Zhang 7 seven six seven five in probably the best performance of you know more than a year for sure. Uh was up on Ilkel uh, set in a break six four four two. Um that was a very, very interesting match. Um, they they really got into it at one point sort of fighting almost. Well uh, not not fighting, but like arguing quite. Uh, loudly, uh, and you know there, there was all the uh, all different sort of outside factors in that match as well. It was interesting, um, but yeah, what did you think of Marchenko this week?
1: yeah i think it's a pretty similar case to Dorasovic in that uh, sense that whenever uh, you whenever i actually get to watch him he doesn't he looks like he belongs at this level he definitely did it this week in bratislava and i don't think it was just a you know home court sort of factor because he's been residing in in bratislava playing on these courts for years i don't think it was just just that um what you told me uh, you know after after your interview that that Marchenko said to you that basically this year he had a lot of minor physical problems that didn't really keep him from the court, away from the court, but you know hampered his play. I think that makes a lot of sense because as we can see he's still clearly capable of playing tennis at a super high level. Although, you know, fitness wise it's been a bit of a struggle. Like most first sets this year, you see Marchenko struggling. And, uh, yeah, the the Ilkal match, that was also another case. He actually managed to keep it close, but it was already... I I remember, you know, talking about it during the second set that if Marchenko loses this, you know, he's not going to beat Ilkal in the third set. He just had to wrap it up in two. And this is an increasingly uh, common situation in Ilya Marchenko matches.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he kept it close through, like, sheer willpower. I don't know how he kept... In that third set, because Ilkel was, it was just superior, he, he dominated almost every rally uh, against Marchenko, and yeah, it, it, it was quite—I don't know—I don't know if I would say tough to watch, but he, but you sort of knew what was coming in that in that third set, and yeah, Ilkel won out deservedly. Uh, we can also talk about the doubles where Molchanov and Nidoviesov lifted the title, their fifth title uh, together overall after four titles last season. Uh, in, in their in their victory speech, they actually said that it was a very last minute decision to decide to play this event together. Uh, and it was essentially only to get Molchanov's ranking up uh, for the Australian Open. It worked for them quite quite well. They they won the title, uh, beating Petr Noza and Andrew Paulson in the final, who were a, a very exciting team. Took out uh, Ibavi and Pavlasek by winning five straight points uh, from five eight to ten eight in the in the super tiebreaker also gets Arnaud and Weisborn. they won five straight points to finish it because they were 3-6 down in the second set tiebreak one at 8-6 uh they ran away to a very quick lead i think it was 3-love uh through like two deciding point uh breaks um kept it close throughout but motion of an the base of where superior doubles players on that court i think <laughs>
1: Yeah, because Nozan yeah, Paulson can't. played all their matches on court number three, right? Before the final. Yeah, yeah we, we we're sort of laughing about it. And honestly, Ilka doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm sorry, but it was clearly, clearly so much different. And and yeah, it's it, it sweet. Yeah, you know, it's with them, but. It's. I'm not saying that if they were playing on center, they wouldn't have made it because they're really uh, a very decent doubles pairing. And sort of like Nomolchanov-Nedoviesov, I also made the decision to go to Bratislava like you know, on a pretty short notice. And I'm also, I also don't regret it, so that's for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, we can move over to Road, uh, where we have Ugo Gaston winning his first challenger title beating the Lakson in 6-7, 7-5, 6-1 after four challenger losses. Uh, this week, he beat Lazarov after retirement in the second set, came back from a sit-down against Royer. came back from a sit-down against Basilashvili, beat Vitanen in two close uh, sets uh, before taking up Lakson, up 26 post number 106. Uh, what did you think of Uga Stone? Also got both of us a point this week.
1: Yeah, got got both of us a point. We were sort of uh, expecting that, you know, at some point he has to win a challenger title. Uh, And I think just level wise, he was by far the best player in the field this week. But, you know, mentally he was barely ready for it. In that opening set, he really tightened up when he was uh, serving at, uh, for it at 5 4, then 6 4 in the tiebreak. Some terrible points there as well. And yeah, then, then had to recover from 2 4, f- four down in the second. And it was basically a bit of a choking contest in the final because I don't think either player was ready to to take this one. Uh, but to, to Gaston's credit, he recovered very, uh, like, you know, he was the one who actually recovered from his choke. Uh, unlike Lexonen, uh, I think in general, his defense was insane the whole week. And it kind of seems to me like Ugo Gaston might be becoming a bit more of a, you know, a, a, a more complete player than in the past. Certainly these, these last four challenger runs he had have been very encouraging because even if on the main tour, you know, his year was pretty tragic, he's actually gone semi final, semi final, semi final and a title now. And all these losses were also like no, nothing embarrassing in there. He lost to Pospisil and team. So uh, certainly a very good display of strength from Hugo Gaston in, the, in these uh, indoor French, I think all French challengers.
2: Yeah, and I mean, just to illustrate how bad his year was on the main tour, he still has a losing record on the season. Even after, even after these mm-hmm. uh, strong runs, he's, he's 28 and 29, but definitely on the right track with, with uh, performances like this. As for Lakshman, it was his t- 10th challenge of final. Uh, he started by coming back from a sit-down against Bellier to win 7-5 in the third also was a sit-down to the who had to retire in the third set, uh, beat Vanash in straight sets in the quarterfinals, beat Popperin in 6-4 in the third, Laxon and moves up 27 spots number 155. What did you think of him here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh- this, you know, combined with the Hamburg final, this is definitely the best patch Laxonen has had all year. Just like Gaston, he's had a terrible season and was very down on confidence. Like the, the interview that you said with Durasovic, that he, you left it sort of feeling sad for him. Uh, this is what I had in Braunschweig with Laxonen. Like you could just hear how desperate he was to to to do something, to have some result, desperate for some help uh and uh, yeah that that's sort of made me also like just just feel incredibly compassionate towards him there uh, then he had that retirement against Richard in the final, which didn't make me uh, feel any compassion for him uh, whatsoever. But yeah, of course, together with Hamburg this this is uh the sort of form that Laxsonin like, has shown in in uh, years you know be- before 2022. Uh, of course it's nice to see him. Um, getting such good displays that when the forehand is firing, he's an excellent player, of course. And yeah, uh, as I said before, I just don't think he was ready to win this title, and he he he went four two up in the second and was just tragic towards the end. Only won one game since uh, since leading four by a set and four two in the second.
2: <laughs> and we move on to our semi finalists in Ruan, uh starting with Otto Viitanen, who after a very. Strong title last week. Continued his good form this week in run, beating Ugo Grenier in straight set, uh, in straight sets. Also beat Blanchet. Took out Kotov, Put together a ten match win streak, before he lost to Gaston. His for his fourth challenger semifinal. What did you think of Otto in here?
1: Yeah, he, huge for him after Bergamo, of course. Uh, yeah. Beating Grenier, brasha, Kotov, and Blanchard, of course, the the weakest win, but still uh, is just insane. again, I think uh, what's what's really important is that his game showed so much like so much regulation, so much control, that, so much more control than it's media. we you know, we usually think of him as a bit of like a, yeah, you know, hyper-aggressive player who can only really serve and then try to finish points at the net. But that's not really what Otto Wirtanen has been doing in Bergamo and Juan. He He's really showing a more complete side to his tennis. And that's what can actually make him uh, go huge in this sport.
2: Yeah, definitely very encouraging. He He's also improving his ranking quite well, so we're not going to see him in uh, Challenger Qualifying next season, I don't think, now that he's in the 180s. Uh, we will we will see him in Slam Qualifying, which I think will be very exciting for for next season. Uh, our other semi finalist, Alexei Popirin, had a very uh, different journey before this tournament, and he entered on a five-match uh, losing streak. Uh, Got his first wins since the US Open here. Uh, He started with a win over Vatutin, 6 2 6 love. Also took out Kachmazov. Came back from a set down against Fields to win 5 7 7 5 6 4, reaching his fourth challenger semifinal. What did you think of Popirin here?
1: Uh, yeah, I think recently Popperin was on a bit of a losing streak, but most of these matches, of course, were on the main tour. Uh, I think he played. Yeah, he lost to Nakagawa in Seoul, which was a pretty crazy <laughs> upset. Uh, so, so yeah, he definitely needed uh, a run like that. Uh, beat Arthur Fields in a in a pretty high quality quarter final there as well, and and came close to making the final. Uh, I think that you know. Most of most of the year, we've been used to him getting deep runs in challengers, and yeah, clearly it's just a matter of uh, you know playing at at a level that's a little above his. And yeah, when he comes back to the challenger tour, he's actually (laughs) then making deep runs.
2: Yeah, and yeah, it wasn't just the Nakagawa loss; he also lost to Martinez in Tokyo. He lost to Monar indoors in Basel, so he was he was having a hard time. Uh, opposed to US Open, but yeah, as you said, quite, quite decent run here for Popitin. We also had a couple of Frenchmen reach the, the quarterfinals here. Luca Van beat Kubler in a crazy match. Also, Arthur Fields who already mentioned reaching the quarterfinals. Any thoughts on these two Frenchmen and their runs here?
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember who Van beat, but I don't think it was like an a, a fantastic run other than Kubler. Of course, he, he was, was very... Resilient in that Kubler win, saving all the match points and and then yeah, uh, show showing a lot of uh, mental uh, mental prowess, how strong he can be on the court when it comes to just not uh, not allowing the opponent to run away with it. And yeah, feels his fourth quarter final, and this time I think he actually should be pretty pleased with what he showed in that in that match. And he also had a crazy win in the in the opening round coincidentally. Uh, Finally, it was Arthur Fields saving match points, not Arthur Fields blowing match points. (laughs) Uh,
2: And in the the doubles, we had Dumbia and Reboul win their their fifth challenger title of the season beating Brown and Valkov. Now we can move over to Knoxville, where Ben Shelton got back-to-back titles uh, over Chris Eubanks uh, after last week, this time winning 6-3, 1-6, 7-6, his second challenger title, of course, after winning his first last week. On this run, he beat Keegan Smith, uh, 6-3 in the third. Uh, dispatched Kruger very well, 6-2, 6-1. Dealt with Kovacevic, who was my pick for the title. 7-5, 6-4. Uh, beat Kwak Kho, 6-4 in the third. Uh, yeah, very impressed that he he played all these three setters, uh, three of them this week. Still managed to win the title. Up 20 spots to number 108. Uh, And this should probably seal the the USDA wildcard for Australian Open uh, if he needs it, really, because his ranking is very close to him entering directly anyway. But what did you think of Ben Shelton this week?
1: Yeah, he's very, very close to getting automatically qualified for the Australian Open. Just in case he doesn't need it, he actually would have to make the semis in Champagne to stop uh, either Sandgren or Eubanks from having any chance to to still take it from him. Sandgren and Eubanks can meet in round two. So it's basically just a question of whether one of them can win that, that match and then win the title. And of course, if Shelton gets to the semis, then there's no question. But yeah, as you said, it's, it's possible that he will get automatic qualification. Um, yeah, pretty absurd again, uh, very, uh, like mentally controlled compared to Uh, compared to most of his runs in the past, which is what we saw in Charlottesville as well. The final this time, I think, was very, like, you know, they never really peaked at the same time in the opening set. Eubanks was just missing every surplus one forehand. Then the second set, Sheldon was very sloppy. But of course, these guys are, like, running on fumes by now, you know. Both of them made the final in Charlottesville. Both of them made the final in Knoxville. But yeah, Shelton is just showing that he's incredibly special again. And yeah, after Champagne... Do, do we see him in a challenger again at all? I mean, uh, if he does well there, gets to the top 100, it's actually possible that we might not even see him on the challenger through next year. I mean, realistically, he will probably play once or twice at the beginning of the season, but, but that's probably going to be it. And yeah, it's very, very likely that this is going to be it for his whole career as well. So yeah, goodbye Ben Shelton, I guess, and we we will miss you. We will miss you, but of course we will watch you on the Challenger Tour as well, from time to on, on the ATP Tour as well.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it feels like every year there's a new American that comes up. If if not, yeah, a little Roseby. bit. Brookesby. last season. Nakashima also sort yeah. of graduated the Challenger Tour last season. Uh, we've not really seen them since Shelton might be the guy because what his game is is insane to watch. It's it's really impressive. Uh, as for Chris Eubanks, he he did his best this week, but once again he was thwarted uh, by Shelton. His sixth challenger final. This was on his run this week. He beat Alvarez Varona, Strong Kerkheimer, uh Lucas Gerch. Uh, beat your pick, Michael Moe, 6-2 in the third in the semis. He actually drops nine spots, number 129, because he was defending a title here. Uh, but what were your thoughts on Banks this week?
1: Yeah, I think especially compared with that Charlottesville uh, final, this has been super impressive in how he's approaching the net a lot, which is a bit of a new factor in his game it's not completely new of course but he's just much more comfortable there he knows what to do he plays great volleys which uh, in the past wasn't always the case it's certainly something that can take his game to uh, to the next level he's also getting pretty close to like the top 100 of course not as close as shelton and like automatic qualification for the austrian open is probably only possible if if he won champagne which at this rate is probably impossible, like no, no not, it, it's it's unlikely given that, you know, his body, we'll see if it would hold up. Uh, but still he, he's put himself in that sort of position with, with some amazing results this year. <laughs> And, and and yeah, uh, I've the, the, the past two weeks I've been having a lot of fun watching Chris Eubanks, which isn't always the case because you know on, on, on most days well maybe not on most days but there's definitely days when he sort of you know, he's surf botting and the ground game doesn't look that great but yeah the past two weeks have been uh, yeah, that was that that was perhaps one of the best tennis that Christian Banks has played in his career and that's actually saying quite a lot, I think. And yeah, he usually does well in these American Indoor challenges as well. He he was actually the defending champion in Knoxville, of course.
2: Yeah, we can move on to our semifinalists, Starting with your pick, Michael Moe. He began his week by double bageling Bernard before beating Blanche and Sandgren to reach his sixth challenger semi final of the season. Any thoughts on Moe? Uh,
1: I he was my pick for for the week, and uh, honestly, I think if Michael Moe beat Chris Eubanks, I think he might have gotten Ben Shelton as well, just on um, you know, physicality mostly. I think. Uh, but then again, Eubanks uh, actually outlasted him in the third set, which was pretty weird, <laughs> given that that's, you know that Mo wasn't coming off a title, wasn't coming off a final up until then. You know, I, I don't. I think Michael Mo generally feels a little bit better on an outdoor hardcore than indoors, but he can clearly still play um, very well in, in such conditions as well. And of course the, the past three or four months have been excellent for Mo and yeah, he's also really getting himself close to, uh, uh, to a top 100, to a return to the top 100 to getting uh, automatic qualification for the Australian Open. But again, in Drummondville, he probably needs to like make the final would probably not secure it or maybe you know, be somewhere on the verge. So he would probably need to win Drummondville. He's actually one of the few players who chose to go to Drummondville from uh, Knoxville instead of staying in the states in Champagne.
2: Mm-hmm. Our other semi-finalist was Enzo Quaco, who defeated Ezekiel Clark, uh, Aidan McHugh, and Stefan Kozlov, reaching the sixth, also a sixth challenger semi-final of the season. Uh, had had a, had a good match going against Shelton. or did you think of Guaco this week?
1: Yeah, definitely have a good match against Shelton. Although I think you know, when looking at the semifinalists he's definitely the one that sort of stands out as the uh, you know as the one who's not not quite as good. But yeah, we we've talked about him a, a lot of times this year that he's a bit of an underrated quality, especially the serve. And yeah, he, he's clearly showing that he is preferring to play in the states. Uh, played here a lot this year and with very good results. I mean, it's, it's been uh, plenty of semifinals like in uh, Winnipeg, Lexington. Know, Winnipeg is in Canada, but I mean, I'm talking of like USA, Canada. Uh, then uh, like another quarterfinal in Tiburon, quarterfinal in Fairfield, semifinal in Knoxville. It's certainly been a very good hunting ground for him.
2: Yeah, out of the quarterfinalists, I picked out Lucas Gerch to mention. Uh, back-to-back quarterfinals for him after last week. This week he beat Yuncheng Chang and Paul Job. Any thoughts on Gerich?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm quite surprised to see it even though I remember on a couple of occasions <laughs> that earlier this year and maybe in 2021 saying that I don't understand why Lukas Gerich is like not getting any results on the Challenger Tour because that's how, it, that's how it felt like, that he was a bit too good for the ITFs, but... <laughs> and not good enough for, for the challengers, but this couple of quarterfinals, yeah, this this is probably the best we've seen of Lukas Gerich, even though he reached that final at uh, Challenger 15 Prague earlier this year, but I feel like these, this was a little, uh, you know, the, the level was uh, higher, especially as he had some very tough draws in Charlottesville, Queen and Kozlov to the quarterfinals, and here, Jab and Shang to the quarterfinals. Uh, obviously, North American challengers tend to be a bit weaker than Europe, than the European ones, but when you look at Gerich's paths to the quarterfinals, finals in Charlottesville and Knoxville and also the players that he actually played in the final eight uh, you wouldn't really say that
2: (laughs) yeah and I feel like we can't move on to doubles before mentioning an insane first round match between Paul Job and and, and Ernesto Escobedo uh, which ended with a 1917 third set tiebreaker Uh, Job saved uh seven match points just in that super tie break. That, not super tiebreak, sorry, that's a regular tie break that just went super long. Um yeah, any any thoughts on that match at all? Uh
1: I did not see it. I think it was on Monday, right?
2: Yeah, I
1: think so. Yeah, so I think I was flying to to Bratislava there. Like I was probably on the plane or at the airport when this, when this happened. Of course, I regret that <laughs> that I wasn't able to see it. But yeah, uh, we rarely get something like this, nineteen seventeen. But uh, the same week, actually, we had a uh, twenty. Uh, what was it? Twenty one nineteen, I think. Tiebreaker, second set between Royer and Kazo in Ryan qualifying. So it's it's pretty funny that two things like that happened during the same week. Uh, I I I can't tell you anything about Escobedo and uh, Jab, but in Rojerkazo there was actually like like there were plenty of rallies. It it really wasn't an Opelka isler I think this one could have been slightly more <laughs> Serb oriented, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, and in the doubles, we had Hunter Reese and Tennis Sandgren uh, win the title. They reached the final here together in 2018 and lost. Uh, This time they beat Martin Dam and Mitchell Krueger to win it. We can move over to Matsuyama, where we had a qualifier. Xiang Chong Ha. Sorry, Xiang Chen. (laughs) Hold on. I'm so tired right now. All right. (laughs) Xiang Chen Hong. Uh, beating Tung Lin Wu 6 for the first challenger title. Uh, he started in qualifying, wins over Otsuka and Hazawa. Uh, in the main draw, he beat Mukund, set Jason Jung, and Shintaro Mochizuki, which was his only set dropped all week. What did you think of uh, Hong here?
1: Yeah, the former junior award number two, suddenly getting results in, in professional tennis in, in seniors. Uh, we saw it in Busan when he, as a lucky loser, he beat Milman, he beat Yan Seong Chung, he beat Litu and lost to Albot. Uh, it was a crazy run. And he actually, like, even though the quality of the opposition was obviously worse here, he still managed to like completely destroy everyone but Mochizuki. Although with his playstyle, it's never going to be a distraction, but you know, he, he is super consistent really. And uh, yeah, I wonder if he can actually take it somewhere, somewhere else outside of Asia. Even though these runs were actually of pretty high quality. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he was uh, beating Tunglin Wu in the final. I thought you were surely getting a point there, but Wu just wasn't able to stay consistent enough and, you know, pull off that explosive shot making of his um quite a shocking run by hong because even like probably two months ago if you told me he was going to get a challenger title this year i would just laugh or maybe even ask who is seong chan hong because before this year he had one challenger main draw win
2: yeah it's it's a massive shock he really ripped off some great wins here uh probably the, the the quickness of the matches give him a give him a bit of an edge over Wu in the final with some longer ones. Uh but either way, Hong uh moves up 119 spots in the rankings to number 252, breaking the top 300. So this is huge for him going forward in his career. We will see him a lot more on the challengers for sure. As for Tung Lin Wu, it was his fifth challenger final third this season. Uh, he beat Noguchi to start, came back from a 1-6 set down against Moria to win 6-1 in the third. Won a very tight match against Uchida, 6-4 in the third, beat Namhuang Lee in straight sets in the semis. Uh, he moves up 23 spots, number 181. What did you think of Wu this week?
1: Uh, yeah, he also had a couple of crazy, crazy matches this week. I'm, I'm saying also, but I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking of Hong. I'm thinking of what... Uh, wooded uh, a week ago and in, uh, in that event where he lost to uh, Chris O'Connell and having a match point here. He was 6-1 one, to 1 down against Moria, I believe, and then 4-2 down in the third against Kaiji Uchida. Uh, but yeah, when when when watching him, uh, I think in the semis, I was, yeah, as I said, pretty sure that you were going to get a point because it just looked very clean. Uh, earlier in the year, we saw him raise his first challenger title in, in Tallahassee, of course and it made a lot of sense for me that in this in this sort of weaker challenger field uh, uh he would uh he would probably come out on top uh, he's definitely quite a talented guy, and you know has a game that's that maybe uh, you know, sounds like it would make more sense at this level than Hong for sure. And that's why uh, you know that's why I thought that he was getting that final. But yeah, that that was just uh, that wasn't a good performance at all. And that's why uh, you know even even though he made the finals, there is that sort of a you know a bit a bit of a dark edge, <laughs> like something uh, something that we will remember from this week. Is Tunglin Wu? No, uh, he in that match against Hong, he looked like the guy who was playing in his first Challenger final. That's basically what I'm saying. He he okay. he didn't look like the guy who already had that experience behind him. And I guess you know he also lost six zero six two to Kubler in Little Rock. Uh, so it was only really that that one final in Tallahassee that he that he was actually good in. Uh, Although, if I if I remember correctly, Michael Moe also also didn't play that well. I think Tunglin Wu is just really giving us some terrible finals this year. Even if he's actually doing all right, then Michael Moe was was awful. Every single final of Tunglin Wu this year at the challenger level has been uh, borderline unwatchable.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still overall happy with the pig uh, and and where he went. Um, yeah, I'm I'm satisfied even if he. Didn't bring home the point that I was so craving, uh, in order to to equal the contest. Um, as for semi finalists, we had Namhuang Huang Lee uh, reaching the semi final, beating Sugita Matsuda and Xu. His second challenges semi final in his career after five
0: ITF titles this season. What did you think of Lee this week?
1: Uh, yeah hungry <laughs> we we had him uh with that with that phenomenal run in uh, Nontaburi, Taburi, of course when he when he made the final against Vashiro. uh then then he again had a couple of of great ITF runs, which really seems like a level that he's far too good for at at the moment. uh but apparently he hasn't really like in the past month before Matsuyama he only played two matches, lost both of them. uh so yeah. Uh, I I guess uh, there were definitely some concerns about his form going forward, but he beat uh, so our our champion from last week, and also someone who crushed him in an ITF final at the beginning of October. And yeah, I I just don't think he really had much of a chance against Wu when, when Wu was playing well. That's just uh, you know we we've seen will be very inconsistent this year. But when he's actually hitting well, you need to have a certain um, just a certain pace on the ball to try to stop him somehow, to try to derail him of of his rhythm, or maybe be an excellent defender. But yeah, Lee, Lee with his yeah, I, I'd say a pretty solid if unspectacular game was just unable to to respond to that sort of pressure.
2: Yeah, our other semi-finalist was Shintaro Mochizuki, making his first career challenger semi-final here. Uh, he beat Philip Cristian Giano to start, then he took out your pick Damir Jumhur, 6-4 in the third, also beat Yonel in a very tight match and a third set tiebreaker. What did you think of Mochizuki here?
1: Yeah, I mean, as with a lot of players here, we sort of have to have that, you know, asterisk of... <laughs> whether he would actually be able to do it in a challenger played in uh, not in asia or or in some cases that we talked about before in australia <laughs> Perhaps, but, but, you know, still did. Is it something to be, like, excited about th- this week? Is it, is it, is, uh, is Shintaro Mochizuki's around something to be excited about? I don't know. But then again, I feel like, uh, you know, you could say the same thing about Hong. It's just that Hong is fresh, you know, Hong is new and that's why he, he excites us. And Shintaro Mochizuki has been sort of, you know, around that same level uh for for a while now and not really close to breaking through although of course seoul matsuyama he's making some big points this year uh, this week so uh, in terms of his ranking that's gonna be huge for sure
2: yeah and over in the doubles we had andrew harris and jp smith winning their first title together as a team they beat toshide matsui and Uesugi, uh Matsui and Wesugi it was their first final that they reached together, even though they've been playing together all season. They had some events together last year as well. So a huge moment for them, uh, but couldn't get it done, unfortunately, against Harrison Smith. Still very impressive round though. We can move on to Calgary, where we had Dominic Kepfer win the title over Alexander Vokic, 6-2, 6-4. Kepfer's second title after winning Ilkley in 2019. On this run, he beat Chapel, Harper, uh, then Harold Mayo, six three in the third, took out Diallo as well in the semis, up sixty five spots number one hundred and ninety four in the rankings, re entering the top two hundred. What did you think of Keper this week?
1: Yes, Dominic Kepfer. I actually didn't realize he was out for like a month after not after Kerry, but he then he lost to McHugh in the opening round, I think, in Columbus, and then he was out for over a month. I did not even notice that, so I was quite surprised to see it. Uh but as as we mentioned earlier, of course, Dominic Kepfer is recovering from an arm injury. Uh, if uh, he he's clearly showing that you know if if he's healthy, he's gonna keep uh, being a huge force on the challenger circuit, and uh, that week was another example of that. Although again, you know, if you look at his draw, you know, other than Diallo. It wasn't really that strong, right? Vokic, Vokic has been a bit of a shadow of his former self uh, from the beginning of the season or even the end of uh, 2021. Um, the win the win against Maio is, is also quite impressive, but definitely not the strongest run. But I think uh, he, he's definitely going to be pleased with that final uh, because in carry, he had a pretty atrocious performance in the championship match, but... <laughs> Uh, this time he managed to right the wrong and uh, and have a completely different match where he was actually the the the clean cleanly the better player clearly the better player from the from beginning to end basically.
2: Yeah, speaking of atrocious performances, Alexander which really <laughs> surprised us this, this week after uh, being quite bad for quite some time. Uh, but yeah, he came out with this run for his fifth challenger final beating Benjamin Locke, Charles Broom, Alexis Galarneau, Max Kashnikovsky in the semis. He moves up 24 spots to number 141, which helps him a lot as he is defending a title uh, next week. So, uh, sorry, a, a a final next week. Uh, so that's that was sort of negated, even even, even if he loses first round there uh, in terms of the ranking. But yeah, what did you think of Vukic this week?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was very up and down. Uh, you can't really argue with the fact that against Galerno and Kashnikovsky played some great tennis. But then again, against Broom it was such a huge struggle. And yeah, the final, especially the opening set, he was just all over the place. Uh, certainly playing someone like Kepfer doesn't help in that regard because Kepfer is... You know, the, the ball he feeds you is just... Perhaps it isn't maybe so diverse, but it's certainly one of the more unpleasant hitting um, things to hit, hit off uh, on the tour. And and that probably wasn't a good combination with Vukic's ground game being a bit off, but still certainly so much improvement over yeah, that Australian swing, especially, you know, the, the, the challengers that where we talked about that everyone should go there. And because it's just three points lying around and then he loses to Adam Walton and Colin Sinclair, which, you know, for a guy who was just a few months ago very close to like fighting for a top one hundred debut. Uh that was that was pretty rough. And yeah, after after this after this uh terrible summer that Vukic had also with an injury uh he you know he didn't play since the French Open until until the US Open, so over three months. And yeah after after that uh that sort of a year that he's had a brilliant beginning but then you know pretty much going awful in the middle. Uh, yeah, that this he he definitely really needed it, but it's clear that he's not quite there yet.
2: Yeah, we can move on to our semi-finalists, uh, starting with, of course, we have to start with Max Kashnikovski. Uh, no doubt about it, his first career challenges semifinal. final. Uh, it went off to a rocky starting qualifying. He had to beat car seven five in the third. Uh, I believe he had to save a match point uh, against Wehnel. Four match points. Won that 6-1 in the third, but... uh, Four four match points, Jesus Christ. Uh, Yeah, really, really tough qualifying. Uh, But then to cut Brandon Holt, 7-5 in the third to start, beat Alfredo Perez, uh, beat Vasek Pospisil, which was a great win. I was expecting him to beat Vukic, honestly, in the semis. But what were your thoughts on this Kashnikovsky run?
1: Yeah, super excited to see it. Of course, that decision to play uh, a couple of events Canada in Canada has already paid off. Even if he loses in the first round of qualifying, which I'm actually think he might be. He was at least no, he actually pulled through. He was uh, in a in a third set against Benjamin Osagie Well, Uh, but. Uh, talking of Kashnikovsky, of course the serve was working so well which with his frame isn't really something that he's usually known for but I think it's been improving a lot this summer especially like a flat down the, down the tee which he by the way serves, uh, saved a couple of match points with against Wechnerd. Uh he was able to stay aggressive in a lot of these matches uh, finished off points beautifully at the net which I think his volleying has also improved a lot um, I'm not sure how he handles smashes because I didn't really now because i didn't really see uh his opponents going for them going for lobs uh, but in you know in the summer and clay it was a bit of a, a bit of a problem i want to i want to check how he's doing there but yeah max is just a very professional very smart guy who knows exactly what he needs to improve to go further and yeah and i'm glad to see that he's doing that of course there's certain issues like that lack of natural power uh the small frame that he can't really that the fitness still although that's, that's also gotten better uh that he can't really overcome like, instantly but yeah I, I i'm pretty sure that he's gonna be the, the best version of himself that he can be which is which is great and this run is definitely gonna help him because in the in the summer it was clear that he's already like feeling that he should be making challenger impact and each loss sort of added to the fact that, you know, mentally this was very hard on him because he felt like he should be doing something. And yeah, it was, you know, there was nothing wrong about him losing to Koboli in Szczecin. But yeah, when I when I saw him at the venue, like the day later, or even two days later, he was just so depressed. And yeah, I'm very glad that right now he's not going to have that's that sort of a problem. Uh, huge mentally as well in so many moments like against Rehnelt, like the five set points saved uh, against Pospišil uh definitely much better than I than I expected uh, although you know he he beat my pick Pospišil in the quarterfinals but I'm still you know I I was still able to be happy about it this is one of the rare cases where I actually wanted my pick to lose <laughs> what?
2: Yeah, and I mean it's it's huge for him ranking wise as well. He breaks the top four hundred, uh, up seventy-four spots after this run. So uh yeah, really really excited to see what Kashnikovsky can bring next season. Our other semifinalist was Gabriel Diallo, who beat Oklepo, Fikovich, and Escoffier seven five in the third, to reach his third challenge in the semifinal. What did you think of the Canadian here?
1: Yeah, I mean we've talked about him a lot and he's still like a bit of a raw unpolished diamond and you can see it that you know, there's there's so much potential but maybe maybe he's going to you know, struggle in a match like against Escoffier and uh you know his level is not exactly going to be uh that uh, that stable that solid yet but of course there's a lot of untapped still untapped potential there. And well, I mean, this guy is this guy is playing college. Let me remind you. And yet, he's currently uh, 248 in the rankings. And after this week, he's going to be even higher, right? Where is he going to be? Yeah, 224. So he can play Australian Open qualifying. But I guess it would only make sense if he decides to leave college. <laughs> I'm not sure if that decision has been made yet or if he's considering it or not. But I think, yeah, if you're in the Austrian Open qualifying, then you, you sh- probably should at least consider it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it will make a lot of sense for him to go for sure if he can uh, earn or, or keep the money, uh, of course. But yeah, he, he's a great talent. I would love to see him on, on the tour year-round. So I didn't even
1: realize him. that he's like that high in the rankings already. Australian Open qualifying in the bag. I mean.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and over in the doubles, we had Neukryst and Pervolarakis win their first challenger title together after reaching the final of Manama last season. Uh, David Oklepo and Wechnelt to win the title. And we go over to Montevideo where Genaro Alberto Olivieri lifted his first challenger title over my pick, Tomas Martin Echeverri. 6-7, uh, six, seven, seven, six, six, It was uh, finished after a rain delay. Uh, delayed the deciding the, the set to Monday, uh, but worked out in oliveri's favor in the end. He had a very solid run this week between Koinsky, Elias, and Trunchety all in straight sets. Coming back from 2-6 down to, uh, I, guess, I guess, Agamemnon to win 6-4 in the third. He gets to move up 41 spots, number 212 in the rankings. What did you think of Olivier's uh, major in the title run.
1: Yeah, and the the, the wild thing is that last week he played the 25K. uh, I can't remember the name of the city, maybe Salta, something like that in South America on clay anyway. And he lost to Gabriel Alejandro Hidalgo, who was at the time the ATP 864, a 32-year-old from Argentina with a career high ranking 311. Honestly, I don't think I remember the guy. I mean, he probably was in some challenger qualifying draws at some point. Or... Actually, no, he hasn't played the Challenger since 2016. So yeah, it, it is possible that we, we actually don't know him. And, and yeah, and uh, <laughs> he lost, he beat uh, Olivieri in the second round of the 25K. Shocking result. And then Olivier comes here beats Choinsky, Elias Truchrelli Agamenone Atchevery all five upsets some bigger than the other uh, I think you could probably like start you know it's debatable whether the, the the win over Elias especially was an upset but you know according to the bookies it was so let's let's stick with that storyline because it's great <laughs> uh, and yeah and he also took a set of Atchevery uh, in Lima recently I think I remember you picking Olivieri to win a challenger title like last year or this year. Uh which uh yeah, I I, I think we sort of thought that this would happen somewhere over the course of his career, but perhaps not in a run where he'd have to beat five players he's not favored to beat, and also not in you know, not not in pretty indifferent form. Because I think even taking that set of a very uh, the the rivals he had there to to reach the second round were pretty uh, poor. You know, most of the summer he wasn't doing that much. Uh, had a couple of good runs in challengers early in the year, of course, but later on it kind of fell apart. Yeah, so uh, this obviously solidifies his Australian Open qualifying uh, spot. I think he was like on the verge before this and right now he has it. Uh, very surprised with how the final went, uh, which is, uh, well, very unlucky for you because you had the very as your peak. You had the chance to tie the uh, scoreboard in the predictions competition. Um, but well, then again, of course, Setzer very also saved much points on the way, so I think that's why it's slightly less unlucky. But yeah, for for uh, today, the the stream was broken for the third set, uh, so actually I wasn't able to see it. There were mm-hmm. you? <laughs> And but in the in the first two, I thought Olivier just was doing a very good job at uh, trying to overcome that power discrepancy that he has with Thomas Martin, and you know trying to finish a lot of points at the net, uh, be the be the guy who's actually moving the ball around the court and not just running ten meters behind the baseline. Because I think if he actually didn't make any effort, uh, that's probably what Echeverry would have made him do, uh, and. Pretty in- weird that he also got it on Monday because it seems like if the rain delay will help anyone, it's gonna be Atawiri who played a lot more tennis in like the uh, the previous twenty four hours to when the final started in- on on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I, I did pick him in Blumenau, looking back on it. Uh, he made the semis there. Obviously, Marcondes won that one. Uh, it, it was a solid pick at the time. Uh, I definitely wasn't picking him for this one at all. Uh, yeah, a, a, a mightily impressive run uh, to sort of not even drop sets early on. Even before his loss, he dropped the a, a, a set in the first round of that 25k to Egea. Uh, so he was not having a good time there <laughs> overall. Um, but yeah, very very good run from Olivieri. Uh, as yeah, I was also <laughs> uh, similarly surprised that uh, Echeverri could not win that deciding set. I felt like he would have the edge going into it, especially with the rain delay. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Echeverri, it was his ninth challenger final on his run this week. He defeated Mil- Milojevic, Navona and Diaz Acosta in straight sets before saving three match points against Daniel Altmaier in the semis. He was uh, 6-3 down uh, in, the, in the deciding set tie-break, uh, so a huge win there already. Uh, couldn't get couldn't get to the, the final done, but he still moves up five spots number 80. What are your thoughts on Echeverri this week?
1: Yeah, it feels like he should have more than three Challenger titles, right? But it's not, it's of course not an uh, accident. I mean, he's made 27 quarterfinals since the beginning of 2021. I think in 2020 as well, he made some. Uh, And out of these, like about, let's say about 30 quarterfinals, he only has three titles. And that's sort of. Uh, you know' there's just sort of a matter of sample size of course he could have had more but also not maybe maybe not necessarily this week but he he definitely has established himself as a bit of a semi-final final regular on the especially in South American Challenger events of course and then lose to the guy who's actually playing like the best tennis that that particular week uh th- this time I don't think that was really the case of course he has an olivieri like you know he's he's better than olivieri regular like on a on a, <laughs> if they if they play a hundred times of course the very is gonna win like seventy or eighty. Uh, but yeah, of course, he, he has nothing to be worried about or anything fantastic season already. I'm not sure if he was on the list for Sao Leopoldo, but he he isn't in the draw, but he's still going to play that 100th uh, challenger in Temuco in Chile, which is going to be on hardcourts with a super clay heavy field. So yeah, interested to see what he does there, because with the ranking that he has, he certainly has to start thinking about improving on hardcourts at least a bit
2: yeah, that, that tournament is going to be a bit of a mess. We'll we'll see how that one goes. But yeah, it, it looks like the the the lineup looks like the same uh, as for any clay event that you would in South America, except this one is going to be on a heart. So mixing it uh, up a bit. As for our semi we can talk about Altmaier. Uh, who obviously had back-to-back titles coming into this week, but that didn't stop him. He beat Bautista Torres, he beat Meligeni Alves, he beat Kiker. Uh, as as we said, came very, very close to beating Echeverdi and making three finals in a row. 13-win uh, streak for for Altmaier uh, that, that was ended this week. What, what did you think of him this week?
1: Yeah, and 6-3 against Echeverry, uh, a couple of points he certainly could have won there on the match points. Yeah, just insane form, really, and it, it comes... You know, we, we've we talked about the fact that his South American swing started so poorly, and yet now he's, he's doing that. Uh, I'm not sure if he's actually signed up for anything after this, right? I think he might have ended his season right there. So... Uh, yeah, I guess it's on to 2023 for for Daniel Altmaier. Perhaps a bit of a sour taste with the three match points, but uh, you know, still still a, a pretty excellent way to end the season if we're counting the, the the three last tournaments.
2: For sure. I mean, I did not really think very much uh, throughout the season. Obviously, he <laughs> won Halbron. Uh, he made the final of Phoenix, but he mostly sucked when he was on the main tour. Uh, he, he had a tough season <laughs> as, as of this uh, 13 uh, win run. So definitely, it, it, it makes me much more optimistic about him going into next season. Uh, if, if he hadn't done this, if, if he hadn't done this, I'd be, you know, quite worried about him. I think uh, our other semi finalist was Franco Agamenone. Uh, who beat Koyarini, Eshargi and Bagnis to reach his fourth challenger semifinal, final uh, fifth semi-final overall, if we also count Umag. Uh, was also up on uh, Olivieri. What did you think of Agamemnon this week?
1: Yeah, he stopped my pick, Facundo Bagnis, after after losing the opening set to him in pretty dominant fashion. Uh, certainly seemed like a very good chance for Agamenone to uh, to grab another final. I remember wondering, like, because you had such very like, who out of Olivieri and Agamenone would have a better chance against Thomas Martin? And yeah, I, I generally my my conclusion was that probably neither. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. Uh, not sure if Agamenone would have done it, but. Yeah, another pretty decent week. Uh, and he beat Collarini again, I think, after that first match uh, that they played in 2022 uh, in Kokimbo, where Agamemnon, I mean, Collarini, who had this 6 uh, 4 lead, I think, and lost it. I think this is now becoming a, a very much a problem uh, opponent for, for Collarini. And yeah, they've played three times in the past, what... Uh, Less than a month, way less than a month. Actually, the twenty first of October was was their first match, and uh, now they played on the eighth of November.
2: Mm-hmm. I also wanted to mention Guido Pea, who made his comeback after 13 months out. Uh, this week in the singles, he, lo- he lost to uh, Juan Manuel Cerundolo uh, pretty easily in straight sets. But over in the doubles, he did make the semifinals alongside Hugo Caray, Uh grabbed a couple of wins on the way, but lost the the semi quite easily. Won just three games against Dia- Diaz Acosta and Luis David Martinez, uh, but still definitely... Good for him to get some match play in uh, Guido Pela. Um As for the final and the title, it was won by Dzeviecki and Matuszewski, the first challenger title for Matuszewski, and they beat the, informa- the, the aforementioned Diada Costa and Luis David Martinez. Uh, any thoughts on you know your, your Polish uh, <laughs> fellow Poles uh, winning here?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, both both got a very high ranking out of it. Uh, the decision to go to South America was, was, of course, something new for both of them. I'm not sure if they ever played. Like, I didn't check it, but definitely not for such a long time. I, I doubt they ever played in South America before. And I think for both of them worked out. It worked out. Um, of course, they didn't play together for for like the whole duration. I think they only played together twice. Uh, but especially for Jawietzki, it was great. Uh, a couple of finals with Jakub uh, Jakub Paul, uh, and then of course this title, which is his fifth challenger. And as you said, for Matuszewski, I think even if he didn't really produce as consistent uh, results as consistent as Jawietzki, then this title is is really what's what it's. Uh, you know. what what what he will remember what we will remember out of the South American swing he played here uh, he had three previous finals before lost all of them uh, all with different partners Manafov, pichler and uh, hendrik jebens i think and uh and yeah uh to to get to finally get it done i know this was this was a very important goal for him after especially after the previous three finals they also beat andre and duran in the semis in montevideo which was quite huge uh, for a while i remember in 2021 there was this um Well, they had a couple of good challenger results together, Drzewiecki and Matuszewski. And I remember thinking that, you know, maybe they will, they are going to partner for like a longer uh, duration. But yeah, in 2022, when they played at the beginning of the year, like three times, it wasn't going great. Uh, I hope that maybe, you know, for, for both of them, it would be, I think, pretty beneficial to find a long term, long term doubles partner. But it's just, it was just hard with the rankings. And I think right now, At least on the Challenger Tour, it's probably going to be much, uh, much easier for them. So that's, yeah, that's pretty huge for them. And I'm definitely very happy about it.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely an an impressive run uh, with the Andreotti Duran win. Uh, They lost to them in Guayaquil in in the semis. And as you mentioned, they were struggling when they put together in Europe. Uh, They played three tournaments, didn't didn't win a single match. Uh, So, yeah, finding some success together in South America is definitely going to help them. Right. And we go over to match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start?
1: Um, maybe let's start with the match of the week. I'm not sure if you're going to be picking uh, a match from Bratislava. I thought about going for something else, but then again, you know, it, there's always going to be more excitement. There's always going to be something like it's going to stick uh, stick with you for for longer time if you if you wear their life. So I think I'm just gonna go with maybe an interesting pick. I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure you're not expecting it, but I'm gonna go with Van Rijtov and Durasovic. I I you. think just. In terms of in terms of the drama, in terms of the quality of the ball striking, it was very good. Even though, as I as I said before, I mean, I, I wasn't too impressed with Van event this week. He definitely didn't stand out against guys like Durasovic or Ilka. Uh Yeah, but but still, I, I think uh, that was probably like the quality was very very even throughout. And uh, and yeah, I, I enjoyed that one probably the most out of all the Bratislava matches.
2: Yeah, and I will actually go for a match that was happening at the same time uh, with Chem Ilkel beating Ilya Marchenko on the outside court. Uh, it had a match that had everything, uh, some very high-quality tennis. It had uh, Ilkel saving like 13 break points in the first set and a half, uh, which was insane. It had a, a massive argument in the middle. It then had an argument from an outside court uh, over a line call during a practice set that disturbed the match to the point of Marchenko yelling at them to shut up after he lost the point. Uh, it, it, it, it really was an amazing match, uh, at least being there in person. I don't know if, it, if any of that really translated uh, over on the stream, but yeah, it, it has to be my match of the week. Who have you gone for? Uh, uh, who have you gone with for the upset of the week?
1: As usual, I am yet to pick that. So
2: if I'll, you I'll, I'll go
0: first. Trail.
2: Yeah, I, I have mine here. I'm going to go with Ilya Machenko over Zhizhen Zhang. Uh, I was very excited to actually see Zhang in in, in Bratislava. Uh I was very curious to see what he was going to bring. Of course, his form coming in wasn't amazing. But the way that Marchenko stepped up to the challenge, stepped up to the match, played his best match of the season. uh, I would like to go with that one.
1: I actually like have no clue what to
2: go for because just
1: scrolling through it right now, I see that there weren't really that many huge scores. Like for example, there's Harper over Reberk, but I don't know Reberk. You know, in general, since since coming to North America, has not looked that sharp. I would say. I might just go for Kashnikovsky over Pospisil. I think this one I did not expect at all. Yeah, and honestly, going into that match, I just thought that Pospisil was probably gonna beat him quite comfortably. And I just hope that Max can, like, you know, have no expectations going into it and play freely. Like, that was all I wanted. If I saw that, if I saw an, I don't know, a 6-4, 6-4 for Pospisil, I would have been super proud and super pleased already. And yeah, it was just so much different. Uh, and yeah, looking looking at uh, like the the the upsets around the board, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest ones also in terms of the you know the the the the odds. Um, yeah, it looks like even though we we had six challengers this week, there weren't any craziness. There were there wasn't any craziness like the ones we you know in some upsets we've had in Australia or uh, even Asia in the past couple of weeks.
2: And we started our previews in Drummondville, uh, where we have Emilio Gomez as the top seed facing Mejia. I think it's like their seventh match already or something, and Gomez has won every single one uh, so far, so he, he should win this one. Uh, he will have Escoffier in his section, though. Um, in the second section, we have a very exciting match, special against Kepfer, coming off of a title for, for Kepfer, coming off of an upset of the week uh, for for special. Uh, also, Blanche in that section, also Mayo and Koako has been very strong recently. Uh, third section, we have Fikovic as the seat facing Kertz. Um, Then we have Galarno playing against De Camps. In the final section, we have Michael Moe playing Valentin Uh Also, Mansuri in that section, also Gabriel Diallo there as the eighth seed. Over in the qualifying uh, let me actually check who has won their matches, but we have Rehbek for sure, we have Kashnikovsky, uh winning his first round, uh, Artur Ferry, Liam Draxel, but yeah, Kashnikovsky and... Uh, Artur Ferry,
1: by the way, beat a 43-year-old.
2: <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> what is going on here? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over in the doubles, we have Cash and Patton, who actually didn't win a title last, last week. I think they lost in the semis. Uh, Brum and Franson are here. Uh, we also have Dugas and Jaziri playing together. Uh, noy Christ and Pervolarakis are here after winning a title last week. Pretty exciting first round between Evan King, Max Schnurr against Galarno and Sagan. Uh, so that that'll be an interesting one. But back to the singles, who are you picking for the title?
1: Yeah, I've already decided. Actually, this is the only, uh, challenger I've already decided on. And I, you might know that I usually just do it, you know, I, I come, I see the draw and I pick, you know, while, while talking it, while talking about it. Here I actually had, have a pick already because it's going to be, well, slightly stupid at the same time, maybe not. Uh, before we say that, before I, uh, you know, unveil it, <laughs> I want to say that uh, I'm not expecting Max Kasnikowski to win this title. Uh, I'm actually, yeah. no. um, this is like the the worst part about him losing to Vukic is that he doesn't get a special exempt right? And still has to play this. And I think at some point uh, just so much tennis in the past uh, week or so is going to uh, be an issue. And well, he's playing Groko Horvat in the final qualifying round, so he might actually might actually make it. Uh, no one would be surprised by that. Yeah, when it comes to the winner picks here, I think Mo is a serious uh, option for sure. Diallo, again, he has a very nice draw that would really secure his um, Australian Open qualifying spot if he wants it. Uh, Emilio Gomez is an option, but he lost to Arud Mayor. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not paying that much attention to it, of course, because well, it's just it's just a loss uh, to to to one of the better players in the field, for sure. It was just a nasty draw. Yeah, as you said, Gomez is 6-0 against Mejia as well. Anyhow, I am going with Vasek Pospisil, who I think made like 40 unforced errors against Kasnikowski and he's playing Dominik Kepfer here in the opening round. So why am I doing this? First of all. Now, I don't know if Kefir will probably play, but yeah, Kefir will be a bit tired, and I just feel like with the serve uh, that Pospisil has, like with with the sheer quality of his aggressive game, and with the home crowd as well, I feel like he wins one of these two. I I, I went for him in Calgary, it didn't work out. I don't know. I just I just feel like he should be winning one of these two challengers. I know this isn't like statistically the best pick, definitely not in terms of just you know the sheer proba- probability of him getting through Kepfer and then winning the event. I, I I don't know. I feel like I should do it. This is a totally you know relying on my gut here.
2: That is very interesting as a pick. I mean, if you believe, you believe uh, Kepfer is a tough opening <laughs> round draw. Kukov would be, I think, tough in the in the quarters. So I will stay away from Vashek Pospisil here and instead I will go with a different Canadian, which is Gabriel Diallo. Uh, Yeah, we we were speaking about him earlier. I like his draw apart from Mo in the quarters. But uh, the third section, I think, is is something that should be taken advantage of. Uh, So I wanted to pick someone from the fourth quarter to to sort of get that easier semi and make the final there. So Diallo for me. Uh, we move on to Sao Paulo, um, where we have Facundo Pagnis as the top seed playing Pedro Boscardin Diaz Also in the section, we have Gastao Elias facing off with Mariana Navone, with the winner facing uh, Tiago Tirante. So, pretty exciting section there. Uh, Meligini Alves will play Torres, and then uh, Olivieri, who's in the in the Montevideo final as we speak. So, we'll see what the situation is with him other um, Costa plays Villanueva Buruchaga plays Comisania who's been <laughs> terrible recently uh, third section we have Agamenone facing Seboš also Olivo in that section Nick Hart there as well uh, final section we have Juan Pablo Varillas uh, playing a qualifier and then Jan Koinsky or Gonzalo Lama uh, in that section we also have Pucineli Dalmeida playing Butra da Silva uh, we go over to qualifying, um, where we have Max Hokes. We have Leo Borg here as well, playing Moise Echargi. Um Orlando Luz is also there. Uh, Juan Pablo Paz. Moving over to the doubles, we have Andreotti and Duran, as always, uh, the top seeds there. Uh, Lomakin plays with Wenger. Uh, they're there together. Buruchaga Comisania actually face off in the first round, but they're also uh, teaming up for the doubles here. Tutra da Silva plays with Luis David Martinez, which is intriguing. Uh, Arias and Ceballos Z- uh, Z- play together. So do Olivo and Entirante. But back to the main draw. Who do you like for the titles?
1: Yeah, probably no one in the qualifying who can win it. Maybe maybe Jocas, but. Even though he actually had a pretty decent run this week, I'm not sure if I if, if I buy it yet that he can actually you know, that he's gonna be consistent enough with that lefty forehand to win a challenger title. Just still, which still has a pretty decent field. I do feel though that Pagnis and Varias are probably much better than the rest of the field. Maybe Diaz Acosta is comparable. I know a lot of people would say that Agamenone is comparable. I, I mean, he doesn't quite have that sort of you know, top one hundred level, I think. Um Varias can play Hoinski in the second round and will very likely play Hoinski in the second round, given Hoinski plays Lama, who I don't think has been doing that that well recently. Um so yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go with Facundo Bagnis, whom I also picked this week. He lost to Agamenone in the third set. Um, in like in in three sets and he was I think he dominated the opener then then lost the next two and yeah I just like his draw again I feel like even even if he lost this week he was you know doing pretty okay and with this a bit of a weaker draw I feel like this is my best bet to get points and you know what opens up a chance for me to pick the same guys whom I already picked last week (laughs) Uh, But I'm not sure if in every single event it's going to be possible, but here I can do it. I can pick Bagnis, whom I had in Montevideo, and I can pick Pospisian, whom I had in Calgary.
2: Yeah, that that is an interesting um, thing for you to try and do. Um, (laughs) You also picked Jumhur last week. (laughs) No. no, so we'll, we'll no see, we'll... uh,
1: okay, I, I can already tell you, I'm not going to be doing that. I mean, the, this is such a late stage of the competition. I cannot afford to pick Hood again. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you only up by one or possibly even as, as we speak. We, we yeah, we're recording this. Before.
1: Yeah, you, you, we, we have to give you the explanation that we're recording this yeah. during the Montevideo final because it's been delayed by rain and, well, we need to get it done before and we still don't know if I'm leading by a point or if Jakub is tied uh, or if Jakub has tied the, the competition with me because he had Echeverry and Echeverry is, uh, well, Echeverry and Olivieri split, uh, split the first two sets in tie breaks. I feel like the rain delay Helps at but well, you've already heard the segment about Montevideo, so you already know what the
2: result was. Yeah, as you said, Bagnis and Varias seem above the rest of the competition here. Uh, Bagnis, I, I'm not in love with his performances from last week. Uh, it seemed a bit tentative. Uh, that the lost argument on a Varias, however, comes and rested although with a slightly tougher draw of, of Koinsky in the second round potentially but uh yeah i'm i'm trying to uh, take take you over here uh so I'm, I'm not going to match you as as if i can help it at all so i will be going with Farias here
1: and by the way i have to say uh, sorry to Gonzalo Lama whom i said that he isn't doing so hot he's actually made the finals in his last three ITF events losing twice to Gustavo Haide and winning uh, just uh, today. Uh, but well, he might be tired for his match against Khoinski and he was destroyed by Khoinski last month.
2: Yeah, we move on to Helsinki where Pavel Kotov is the top seed facing Chelik Bilek, could have Ogustan or Dimitar Kuzmanov in the second round, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> Uh, Elias Imer plays Maximilian Matera in the first round. A lot of some very nice first rounds here in this draw. Norbert Gombosch plays Mattia Bellucci, uh, which will be very interesting. Um, we also have Jela Sells playing Vít Kopsiva. Uh, the winner of that could face Andy Laxonen if he beats Brancaccio. Third section, we have a very interesting face-off here. Uh, team van Rijtoven facing Zizu Bergs. Very fun. Winner will face Shevchenko or a qualifier. Uh, Tomasz Machaj starts as a qualifier, but then could face Otto Vitanen in the second round if he beats fellow Finnish wildcard Alexey Lofman. Uh, fourth section, Matan Fuccevic is in this draw as we speak. We'll, we'll, we'll see if he stays there. But will open against the qualifier if he does. Could then face Alexander Richard. Pavel Andukar is here also seeded facing Yannick Hanfman. Uh, and then could face Peniston or Satella. So very, very nice draw for Hansmann here uh, to make the quarters for sure. Well, not for sure, but it, it, it's a nice draw for sure. Uh, over in the qualifying, we have Kukushkin, who beat Midler and could beat Adler. Uh, could, could beat Edler and Midler uh, to qualify, which is very fun. I don't know if that has happened before. Uh, Kachmazov beat Medzjedowicz, 9-7 seven, seven and a third set tiebreaker. He
1: saved six match points, uh, five of them ah.
2: from 6-1. Jesus, yeah, that's that's so so. he's still very much in play for the main draw. Could could do something interesting there. Krutich uh, could do it as well. Uh, Mpeci Pericard beat Fils. Uh, Riedi and Kazov will face off four spots. Squire and Travalia will face off four spots. So some quality in the qualifying for sure. They will not be easy to face. Uh, Erlar and Midler start with a bye in the doubles. Could face Lukasz Kubot and Shimon Valkov if they beat Finnish wildcards, uh, like Erbom and Savlainen. We also have Mataren and Sachko teaming up, um, Bergs and Richard. Um, Otto Vitanen plays with Eero Vasa. Rajan and Sharon are, are, are here as well, as are the Sabanov brothers. Uh, but going back to the singles, who do you like here for the title? Super hard to pick from this.
1: And yeah, it's because of the fact that this is simply a very high quality draw, the qualifying, which you, you read a lot of, a lot out of, I mean, it also shows that there's so much quality in there. Uh, by the way, I think there's also a 25k, uh, women's 25k held at the same venue at the same time, which really makes Helsinki look like the premium events to attend in, in, in the next years to come. Of, of, uh, of course, I was there in 2021, but, uh, the field was not as good. And also that with the, that there wasn't any women's event held at the same time, but still that was, it was a very fun weekend. There were a lot of, a lot of great players in there. Yeah. Combos uh, playing Balucci round one. That's that's so exciting, and so many of the favorites have a rough draw. I actually think that Bergs might beat Van Rijthoven, but. Even if he does, then he can play Shevchenko, you know. Mahat can play Virtanen in the second round. That's a blockbuster, really, in Helsinki, especially where Virtanen always performed very well. Uh, sort of like Klein, you know. Even when he wasn't playing challengers regularly, he would still do well in the Finnish events. I think for a while it was even the case with like any tournament Virtanen played in Finland that he would overperform there. Uh, Fujovic, yeah, we, we'll see if he even plays. I think I have to go with Pavel Kotov. And it's not the fact that he's the top seed. It's the fact that he played, I thought, very well in Rouen. Uh, just crushed Richard and Anduhar And then lost in free to Virtanen, which of course isn't a bad, bad loss at all. Uh, do I like the draw? Not really, but... In, you know, for anyone here, I don't really like that row. So, uh, I, I could go for Gaston to keep my streak going, but I don't, yeah, I, I don't really buy it back to back weeks. And he would have to beat like Kuzmanov, Kotov, Martyrer, for example, in a row. That, that seems too much. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Pavel Kotov, uh, not confident in that pick because you could really go for half the draw here and justify it somehow. And by the way, Jay Clark, who's here as an alternate, I feel like this has to be brought up. He actually had a wild card to this event, which is just otherworldly. But yeah, he eventually got in as an alternate. Um has to be some sort of deal with... Either LTA or I don't know him buying it or someone else, but yeah, still, the, the, yeah, seeing Jake Clark as a wild card in a challenger in Helsinki was quite shocking after the year he's had, especially
2: or maybe like the last few months. Yeah, we, we, we couldn't find where the, actual, where the actual exchange was, but we have to assume that it's some sort of association deal of some sort. But yeah, very odd. I will not be going for Pavel Kotov here. I will be going for Tomasz Machacz. It is a very tough draw, but I feel like almost anyone you look at here is a very tough draw. I was very impressed with him in Bratislava. Uh, Fuchovic was the only player who, who was better than him that week. So even though he, he made the semis, I think he was the second best player in the draw. Uh, Vitanen it's a very tough second round. <laughs> Van Raitoven, if he performs better uh, than what he did in Bratislava is a, is a tough quarterfinal. Um, but once again, I, I look at this fourth section. I quite like... <laughs> Uh, Someone to take advantage of it, so it leads me to to pick someone out of the third section. Mahaj is the is the best bet for me, in in my opinion. Yeah, and
1: I'll just say I totally second that. That uh, Mahaj was the second best player in uh, in uh, the field in Bratislava. I think even if you told me that Klein was the third best, I I would probably agree. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it it was just a little bottom heavy, bottom side heavy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And we, we move on uh, we move on over to Kobe, where Christopher O'Connell is the top seed playing a qualifier. He will face David Zhukaev or Yuichi Sugita. We have Litu uh, with the eighth seed. Could place Denis Kolarz if he finally wins the match uh, in, in Japan. He plays Tatsumo Ita with a protected ranking, so that will be... Very fun match. We'll see who wins that one. Uchida plays Ramalatan. We have uh, watanoki here. Uh, Uchiyama faces Shimabukuro. Uh, Duckworth uh, is in this third section uh, playing Hazaba and then a qualifier. Hijikata plays Sweeney. We also have Namhuang Lee here as well in this third section. In the fourth section, we have Milman facing Giannu. Uh, Jumhor plays Ichikawa. So, you know, you could... Well, I actually, you already picked Kotov, so you don't have your past past week thing. You'd have to pick Gombos, I think, in that one. Um, but yeah, Seddarosich plays Yonel. In the qualifying, uh, we have some names, like Mark Polmans. He could be interesting. Jason Jung performed well last week. Mochizuki, of course, made the semis last week. Uh, Sassi Kumar, Nakagawa... Sinclair, Yunxiong Chong, uh in the doubles, we have Kade and Ramanathan as the top seeds. Um, interesting matchup between Harris and Smith facing off against Jumhur and Seder Osic. I think that would be an interesting one. Uh, Matsui and Wesugi face Gonzalez and Runkat, who they defeated last Again, right? The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nam and Song play Yonel and Giannu, Kourtney uh, and Collage uh, could also be title uh, contenders. But back to the singles, who do you like for the title?
1: It's very hard to pick anyone, honestly, out of this. Uh, some strong guys have disappointed us with shock losses recently, especially talking of the Australians, it seems. Litu, Duckworth, Hijikata. They've all had some um, pretty embarrassing exits. <laughs> Which uh, which uh, took us by surprise. John Milman after that, uh, retire well walkover in the quarterfinals. I'm not really sure what's going on with him. Djumhuriya, I don't know. <laughs> I I I, I think he's one of the players that are capable of winning this, but he doesn't seem to be like in the um one of the prime uh, as much of a prime pick as I thought he was last week. Uh, Vatanuki was someone I considered, but I think. Eventually I just sort of have to go for Christopher O'Connell. He was way better than the rest of the field, other than Tunglin Wu in Yokohama. Uh, He was great in Seoul and Busan, Uh, took a week off in order to, you know, to recover. Uh, in Matsuyama. So I, yeah, I think in Kobe, he's gonna be the main, uh, t- main title contender again. Although, yeah, I could definitely see him losing to guys like Uchida or Watanuki in the semis, uh, Litu, uh, Zhukaev, maybe not so much, but, but yeah, I, I think it needs to be Chris O'Connor, really.
2: Yeah, with your lead in there, I was sort of hoping you'd, you'd pick someone silly and I would have a free shot at O'Connell. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he's finding a, a very nice rhythm. He, he performed well already in Busan. Uh, then Tokubikov, Yokohama, Tokubikov. Here he comes again. His section uh, in the first three rounds is, uh, I think, very easy. Um, and he he should win this event, frankly. Uh, he, he's the best player here at the moment. And we finish in, uh, what's this place? Champagne, Champagne. Champagne, Illinois. Yes, where Dennis Kudla is the top seed, playing Alvarez Varona, could face Job in the second round. Vukic is also in a section as a seed. Uh, second section, we have Eubanks, uh, could face Tennis Sandgren in the second round, also Yuncheng Shang in that section. Uh, ben Shelton is still signed up here despite back-to-back titles. He will face Karlis Ozovnic, uh, Ozovnic, sorry, uh, a wild card from Latvia. Uh, Stefan Kozlov in this section plays Gunes Faran, could face Ezekiel Clark or Fanslow in the second round. The um, fourth section is very interesting. <laughs> Steve Johnson plays a wild card with one of my uh, favorite tennis names, I think Hunter Heck. Uh, I had never heard of him before. What the heck? <laughs> There's yeah, going to be exactly. puns related
1: uh, relating to that. Yeah, I think he's a college player. I I, I definitely heard of him before. Um, Illinois, yeah, local college player, University of Illinois.
2: Yeah, I, I assume all of the world cards are are that that's what they are. Uh, Johnson yeah. could face Lasker in the second round, who, as we say, has been in some nice form. Uh, Kovacevic plays Alafia Ayeli in what should be a very exciting first round matchup. Winner will face Zachary Sfaida or Ernesto Escobedo. In the qualies, let's see who's been winning. Uh, Alfredo Perez is through the first round, as is August Holmgren, Evan Zhu. Um, Patrick Gibson, Ethan Quinn, Strong Kirkheimer got a walkover. We also have a couple of matches going right now, including Iñaki Montes de la Torre. Uh, over in the doubles, we have Galloway and Hachvet Dugo facing the Locke brothers right away. Libietis and Margaroli are back again. Heck is also here with Lukas Horv. Uh, so they will play Belagi and in Indun Kovacevic and Shelton are teaming up. That is very exciting to me if Shelton actually plays this event. Um,
1: yeah, you know, I, I think he will like in, ter- in this case, I think we are p- pretty certain that Eubanks, uh, Shelton and Sandgren will definitely show up just to you know make sure that the Austrian Open qualifying, uh, I mean, Austrian Open wildcard challenges you know, that yeah, doesn't go uh, against their will.
2: Like <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. We also have Tred Huey and Alex Lawson as the second seeds. So another decent team there. But back to the singles, who will you be picking for the titles?
1: Not sure. I will say uh, at first, though, that um, all the wildcards from University of Illinois are pretty exciting because Matis De Bru apparently is the brother of Gabriel De Bru. I didn't know he had a brother, but that's the case. And Carly Sozolins was of course like a very good junior who uh, made the uh, made the Australian Open doubles final with uh, Mikołaj Lorenz, a Polish player who no one knows what's happening with right now. Like Literally, even in Poland, like you can no, no one really knows. I guess he's just injured or something. Uh, I don't know, but it's it's been it's been a while since we last saw him on on the court. Uh, I think yeah, April two thousand twenty one was his last pro match. So, uh, and he's twenty, uh, just like Ozolins, I think. Anyhow, <laughs> not speaking of Nikolai Lawrence, uh, Shelton has a great draw here. But, you know, he he is going to be struggling physically. But I think he has a very good draw to secure him that, um, yeah, that Australian Open wildcard if he needs it. Then again, Stefan Kozlov in the quarters could be dangerous, probably. But I don't want to pick Ben Shelton for the title. Johnson was pretty decent in that Challenger event he played recently. I think he played himself into form a bit. Uh, you like going Kovacevic. I like Kovacevic too, but not in that section. I, any Escobedo, Svajda, Johnson, that's rough. Uh, Kudla has been off. Vukic, I don't know. I mean, Eubanks or Sandgren, the winner of that can also go far. So I'm basically thinking between going Shelton anyway, which is a little crazy. But I think, yeah, we, we have the certainty that he'll actually play, which, you know, helps. I don't think Shelton is losing in the first two rounds. And that's what's really like making me think of him. And I think Yun cheng shang is a solid pick as well. Uh, last four week, last four challengers he played, he lost to Eubanks, Sandgren, Mo, and of course, Lucas Lucas Gerg last week. But yeah, as we said, Gerg is definitely playing the best tennis of his life right now. You know what, I think the chance that like this draw is, it really has a lot of contenders to me. And I think the chance that I land the correct winner is low enough. That I can actually go Ben Shelton. I you know, physically it doesn't make sense. I I think he had some very rough moments even this week already, especially against Quaco. But then again, Ozolins later, Matis de bruyne or a qualifier, that's like the he should have he should be in the quarters. And there's really a lot of um, still a lot of intent for him like to, to play it because he well, he will want that Australian Open Wildcard security plus actually he will try to get in automatically. So yeah, I, I'm going to go with Ben Shelton, although I see a lot of reasons why not to go for him. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah i'm i'm you know not baffled. i'm baffled i'm a little bit surprised you going for shot in here three weeks in a row seems like way too much to ask for especially when he only really needs to play for the semi i i feel like we could
1: yeah but him. you know if he is in the semi-finals <laughs> if he is in the semi finals then he's not just gonna you know suddenly stop right it's just gonna be two matches before the end of the event <laughs> I don't know.
2: I, mean, I, I I guess it depends on what sort of shape he is. once he is semis. I mean, yeah, like, but I, I, it's I, the last tournament of the year, right? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel
1: like I feel like he'll give it his all. Just mm-hmm. perhaps it won't be enough, but we'll see.
2: <laughs> I, I am just sort of going a bit. Uh... I don't know, random here. Uh, he he had a bad week. It, it, it's it's not super random. I'm not going to say that, but yeah, he he had a bad week last week. But he's he's shown, of course, some very uh, good talent uh, across the season. So I will be going with Yun Cheng Shang. Um, if if Eubanks is is uh, struggling a bit physically after the two runs of you know finals runs, uh, I, I I see him as the favorite to reach the semis. Kudla has been inconsistent recently Vukic uh, outside of the run last week has been quite bad even on this run he's been a little bit inconsistent so I think Shank to the final is is a good call and then we'll see what happens once he's there
1: Thank you for uh, staying with us until the end. Uh, we've discussed the six challenges that happened. We've previewed the five that will or are about to happen or are actually currently happening because well the qualifying is in has been already started of course in most of these in all of these events and we're going to be back in a week to discuss Helsinki, Sao Leopoldo Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. <laughs> I keep thinking of Kobe Bryant when I say this. Uh, rest in peace, of course, and uh, also Champagne and uh, Dramontville.